I guess there's enough silence. I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, that was that was considerable. <laughs> that was silence extended cut. Extended silence that went on for too long. Extended cut of silence. Stage fright? Are you all right? Everything okay? I know I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay. I think so. All right. Um, whenever I want to start. In your own time. everyone and welcome to sneaky dragon my name is david dedrick and i am the other person involved ian boothby <laughs> you're gonna just go anonymous i was gonna go co-host and i was like that is true but then it made me i wasn't sure if that made me sound like kind of the ed mcmahon but no it's like co-host We're both co-hosts yeah we co-host the show together right yeah i never liked when uh, they called like andy richter uh sidekick i never liked that no because it made you hungry for the sidekick the little the race the race side dish you get yeah that was what it was yeah which I don't think was around when when he started oh okay what about, thought... what, what about when Ed McMahon was called the sidekick was that yeah okay? yeah that guy was doing uh, nothing <laughs> what was Andy Richter doing um I thought like he was uh he was uh, like a co-host I, I felt he's a co-host that... he he steered the show from the opposite side, side of the coach yeah he was there and like something he goes was to like this way and... yeah yeah. Maybe, you know, I he guess drove the caboose. First mate, maybe you can go yeah, a little yeah, bit sure, of that. Sure. But sidekick, I mean, Ed McMahon basically set up things and just First laughed. mate, though, makes you think of Gilligan, who was kind of a sidekick to Skipper, right? Do you, th- oh, do you think he was? Well, no, Gilligan was the lead. It wasn't Skipper's Island when they crashed. That was <laughs> no, Gilligan's no, but I just island. mean that he was, the, he was the second to the Skipper's, for, like he's the captain. Yeah, but there's no more boat, so Gilligan's number one now, right? Like once the skipper, I, I think once, the, you've, once you're as a skipper, yeah. you've crashed your ship. You are no, well, I don't even know if you're a skipper you're really anymore. casting a lot of aspersions here, but okay. Do you think Gilligan was responsible for the crash? Yes, that's pretty much uh, demonstrated in the, uh, yeah. in the, the, that's I think inc- that's, I think that's, I think that's incorrect because I think the skipper is always responsible for his own boat okay. regardless of what okay. happens. So he shouldn't have hired Gilligan. Well, that seems there you go. Yeah. Uh, there we yeah. go. You've just yeah. uh, uh, solved your own uh, puzzle. I feel there. like, I feel like, it wasn't mentioned in the show, but Gilligan was somehow related to the skipper through marriage. Okay. Yeah. Well, I heard that uh, if it wasn't for the courage of a fearless crew, the minnow would be lost. Well, that's so when I true. See, and they're only those two. That's so true. if uh, what Gilligan lacks in uh, mental capacity, yeah. he makes up for in bravery. Or in ironic commentary of his bravery. Oh, well, I always took that as an ironic. With, and it's all their fucking fault. No, no. But like, it, it wasn't that. It was like they. they yeah, yeah. But I think I feel like it was an ironic thing that if not for the courage of the fearless crew, then you see them like scurrying around and throwing the life preserver overboard with no one in it. You feel like, well, I don't think they're really doing their best. Though they seem to be having some trouble. Okay, well, first of all, you need that life preserver, otherwise we couldn't see all their pictures uh, and announce the character things. It wasn't necessary. But if I'm not wrong. I think, like in the first episodes yeah. of uh, of this, uh, you saw the the life preserver on the side of the boat still. Like, right? Didn't you see that? Wasn't it there? Because well, the boat was on the beach yeah, for yeah. like more an than, episode or I'm two. I'm sure there's more than one life preserver, but yeah, yeah, it's true. still kind of damning that it's still it's on the side of the. All I gotta say is they saved all their lives. They all lived. They did. They did. And and yeah. and survived for many many years. Uh, all survivors. To be fair, yeah, we don't know how many started the voyage. Oh, that's true. We only know what was left at the end of the voyage. Okay. So, and as I always like to say, okay. uh, probably uh, Ginger was also a millionaire. 
So I think like, you know, <laughs> yeah. almost half the boat was millionaires. You know, it's half, like half the boat was millionaires. Almost, yeah. Cause, uh, so you're counting Lovey. Lovey is a millionaire. He's a millionaire. That's right. So it's like the millionaire and yeah. another millionaire <laughs> and yet one more millionaire. Do you think she was that famous? Was she supposed to be famous? I think she was Marilyn Monroe. I think that that's what they were going with. Well, her. she's Marilyn Monroe, Marilyn Monroe like, but she's not Marilyn Monroe. I think in the reality of the show, the amount of movies that she's done and that she's mentioned, uh, I that's think a point. she could be. She yeah, could that's be. A good yeah, point. that's a good point. And she when she when she did arrive back, you know, when uh, in the rescue, yeah, uh, people knew who she was. She was a celebrity. Sure, for sure, sure. Oh, and also, but wasn't she a celebrity because she was on an island for seven years? No, no, she was a celebrity before that. That's why they okay. gave, gave a shit and didn't talk about the professor and care. Here was, a, here was another <laughs> thing, though, that happened on the on the island. Okay. Thanks for tuning in to uh, Gilligan's uh, Isle Talk. Yeah. Um, uh, there was, uh, I think her twin showed up on the island once. Just a, you know. But as, not a, a related to her twin, just someone no, who looked like her. Just looked well, like. Well, they transformed her into her because she came and she had dark hair, I looked believe. Like she looked, right. looked like a schlub. She looked like a schlub. Looked like a schlub. Yeah. So, so she then the schlub yeah yeah uh, escaped. You knew she was a schlub because she was she is brunette. Right, right. I yeah. mean, yeah. Could you ever? <laughs> you know why? Why not? Why not uh, marry the giant spider on the island? Yeah, rather yeah. than this brunette <laughs> with glasses. Yeah. Oh, oh! Don't even start. Don't even start. Unless, of course, you're going to end with she takes off the glasses. Takes off the glasses and oh, you're beautiful. She's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And they dye her hair, and she's not. That's she's right. Like, and the same thing yeah. happened to the spider. The spider used to wear glasses. The spider took <laughs> the glasses die. off. They the oh, spider. you're beautiful. Then the spider ate you. <laughs> but in that episode, I believe uh, the schlub yeah. uh, became glam and then left the island. Yes. And then took over Gil- uh, um, Ginger's Ginger's career. Yeah. By the way, now, but, now I'm now thinking bad idea having two characters with the letter G. That happened before uh, autofill on the uh, on the old script things, uh, for sure. Um, and so any money that her fake ginger would yeah. have made, which yeah. apparently she was doing well, she was getting like a lot of work, much to real ginger's frustration. Mm-hmm. Uh, ginger would have collected when I believe she got back to reality because this woman was a fraud. Okay. And so, like, she would have been owed all the money, all the profits <laughs> right. that fake Ginger uh, made. Okay. I would assume. I don't know about that, but okay. Don't you think so? If someone if someone was impersonating you, yeah. made a whole bunch of money uh, based on your name. Yeah. Uh, and, then you, because you, and then you were like, no, I'm the real me. Yeah. You, wouldn't you get that money? I think you would. I guess you could sue for damages, but I don't think oh you're. I don't, think, you're, I don't open, think it's a law that you're owed, <laughs> owed all the money. Open and shut case yeah. for certain. <laughs> well, we also, don't. she's going to yeah. jail. She's going. Well, to yeah, jail. it's possible that she'll. Yeah, pretty person jail. jail. Well, yeah, it'll be like that kind of uh, one that people who have like financial crimes go to. Oh, I was thinking it was a golf course. I was thinking volleyball. it was going to be one of those uh, sexy '70s lady jails. Oh, those with a lot kind. of pillow fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I think that's where she's going. I don't know. I've never seen one with pillow fights. I just see one with like, with real. <laughs> I'm not gonna call it that. I was gonna call it a, a name for my youth, but nope. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I think you know what. I think you're doing better now. Good for you. That with a lot of lady fights yep. going on in them. That there you are. The claws out and a lot of sure, sure. hair pulling and dress yeah. tearing, and perhaps the odd breast. Yeah, flopping about. And then uh, a, a, yeah. a hard hitting discussion uh, about the way things work yeah. uh, in the shower. Yes. It's a real yes. good let me let's break it down for you how it all works in the shower. Which 
I look, I look at that, and of course, you know, you're you're a youth, and you're going. I appreciate nudity sure. wherever I can find I, it. You know what? I I'm, still appreciate I'm, it. But okay. I'm I'm a dog looking for scraps at the table <laughs> wherever I can find. I'm sure. watching CBC French CBC, hoping that there's films about art, uh, so that there'll be nude models. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it must be a pain to uh, shoot uh, a scene uh, in with like water running and steam. Yeah, you know, first of all, you you like. Do you do you then have it be hot water? Because if it's cold water, you're going to see people going. Ay! But if it's <laughs> but if it's hot water, you got steam, and that's going to mess yeah. up all your cameras. Yeah. Ah, oh, must be uh, must be the worst. I'm sure they. Yes, be, it's they've terrible. D- I'm sure somehow Porky's uh, developed the technology to get around that. <laughs> that's right. They had a de- big dehumidifier running just off off camera. Yeah, the '80s was a big time for uh, shower scenes. After Porky's, a lot of films just went. You know what? We need shower scenes. You go like, even films you don't expect. You go like, uh, let's enjoy Stripes. Okay, in the middle of Stripes, you're going to see, if you're me at the dentist, and they put it on the TV above your head, there's going to be an extended, long shower scene with John Larroquette ogling some girls from uh, yeah, I remember that. Uh, from his cabin. I have not seen it since I was in grade 8. Let me just say that grade 8 me appreciated that scene. Quite, sure. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it was quite amusing. It was weird because... You had uh, John Candy uh, with the uh, mud wrestling scene. And you're like, oh, okay. So if you're going to have a scene which is like mud wrestling, it means, you know what, you're naughty. Yeah. You're naughty, but you're not going to be sure, sure. full nudity. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I think like uh, the top gets taken off at some point. But it's, again, everything's sort of so mud covered. Sure, yeah. You're just you like, can hardly see John Candy's breasts. Absolutely. God, yeah. God bless him. Uh, you're like, okay, well, this is what we're doing. And then yeah. later on in the film, we're doing a full-on shower scene. It's like, well, what kind of movie are you? Pick a pick a tone. Yeah. Well, later on, um, PJ Souls gets flipped by a spatula, of all things. I, I don't remember. You that. Don't remember that scene when they go to the house? They're in the house in the kitchen, and no. she's, she's sitting on the on the counter, and Bill Murray like uses the spatula and he like puts it under her bum, and like I don't know what he's doing, but he, he's obviously just fooling around like, okay. on camera, and uh, he doesn't actually flip her, but you know, it's oh, just okay, weird. Well. I always thought that's a weird thing to do, but okay. it is. Yeah. I guess you have a prop. Am mm-hmm. I the only one who remembers this, folks? Mm. Someone who's seen Stripes since <laughs> I have literally, I honestly have not seen. That I film remember since everything I saw it in the from theater. Stripes that I saw at the dentist uh, last year, I think, or two years ago. I saw or that three movie, years ago. Oh, you know what? Time has no meaning. I saw that movie twice in the theater. Okay, I paid for it three times, but I snuck into Heavy Metal on the third time. Oh, okay. But I could go in and see Stripes, but I wasn't allowed to see Heavy Metal because Heavy Metal was restricted and Stripes was PG. And that was uh, uh, Monty Python's Meaning of Life. I couldn't see. So I went to see Spring Break, and I actually watched Spring Break, which again was a dirty movie, you know. Where, whereas, I, but it was PG thirteen, so <laughs> you know, as a fourteen year old, I was able to see it. Sure, that's weird. That I'm was sure a weird, I said it that before. was a weird time. I think I was old enough to see Meaning of Life when it came out. I, I didn't remember being in trouble to see that. Okay. It was Life of Brian. We had my friend and I went to see it. And we had to find a hip couple who would who would agree to sign us in, like be our guardians. You know, so we we just pretended that they were like our, you know, whatever older brother or whatever, and then they just signed us in. Yeah, because people they're nice. Someone was uh, being ID'd at the movies the other day. Uh, it was like an R-rated movie, and it was okay. like some teenagers. And I was yeah. like, oh, that still happens. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, I would just assume like you would go to the ticket like one. You would go. You would just go to like uh, you know scan, print up your tickets and yeah, yeah, bum bum bum, and you know, and then you just uh, boop boop. But and they wouldn't like take the time to go. Hey, hey, let's see some ID, kids. Let's see some ID. But they do. Well, it's probably harder now with the vaccination things because you have to show 
identification in some cases. So if you were pretending you're an adult, you should have a driver's license. Yeah, though it's two stops. You know, the first stop is the vaccination stop. And yeah. That's the show show. Yeah. And then, but then as you're going into the movie, yeah. then you show again and that's your ticket mm -hmm. time and go in. So I don't know if they expect you to then pull out your ID one more time if you're youthful. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's possible. Before, before when we went, yeah, they would ask what movie you were seeing, but maybe they don't do that with the double vaccination stuff. Now. I don't remember. And honestly, eh, let everyone see everything. It's fine. <laughs> you know don't sure. i mean obviously we're not i'm not talking You're a big fan of hostel triple x serbian story everyone should go see that i mean if you're a teenager if you're like 15 and you want to see, see it anyway you're gonna see it anyway yeah. this is the thing this is like my niece you know but you know what there should be a reward for your your efforts Sure. Well, well, I'm just going to say my niece, you know, has seen all the horror movies, you know, apparently that are all the <laughs> hardcore horror movies. And it's it's just like you can't keep that away from from them at this. So, uh, you know, give them context if you can. And uh, and and what what have you? I don't know. I don't know. I got no I got no kids. I got no judgment on this. <laughs> Dave, you're a loving father. Should children see horror movies uh, that are like R rated when they're uh, 15? Yeah. There you go. That's from a dad. <laughs> yes, that's fine. I think... He has put his foot down. I mean, I, you know, there's different levels of that. But yeah, I think that's fine. I mean, I feel like nowadays the uh, rating system is, is much stricter than what we grew up with. They probably like what's considered an R-rated film now would be a PG movie when we were... Or mature when we were... I'm kids. wondering what bad news bears would be. Like, uh, well, it was only PG when we were, yeah, yeah, yeah. What it was like, PG, yeah. and yeah, now, now you look at now. it, now it's R. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we restricted because that's drinking, smoking, drug taking, uh, and language. racial slurs, like, like, uh, homophobic yeah. slurs. I don't know if those count. Do those count against your rate, your rating? I think so, yeah, mm. yeah. I don't think you can swearing. I, I don't, I don't think you could have like a, uh, like a, a G rated movie and a person's dropping a whole bunch of ethnic slurs. <laughs> no, and no. just like, hey, I just, there's no I violence. Just, I just don't know if that would get you into the R, R factory, but having, a, I think any that's kind of a trip color. down to, yeah, bad language town. And I think but swearing, you know, yeah, for sure. But swearing doesn't necessarily, I think get you, you can say, what is it? Is, a, is it one or two fucks before uh, they take you down to R town? <laughs> I don't know. And by R town, I mean restricted town. I'm not using any other, uh, <laughs> words I can't use. Well, you're, I was, thought you meant the Thornton Wilder play. They'll take you down to see our town if you swear too much in a movie. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I am the... Host I don't know that. I don't know. I've never stage, seen the play. Stage, was, stage manager. I was going to pretend I knew. Yeah, yeah, no, you were almost there. You were doing the stage manager. That's right, yeah. And this here is our town. Prepare to be real bummed out, but there's a lot of roles, and so enjoy this high school production. And please come back in six months for West Side Story. <laughs> Or the most goyous version of Fiddler on the Roof you'll ever see. <laughs> sure, why not? Yep. How are we going to learn about these things? Oh, my gosh. I wasn't probably the most goyous version. <laughs> you, you were. I never saw it. I was mm -hmm. away at the time. but Yeah. It was really weird that we had the Christmas pageant in the middle of it. Yeah, that, that doesn't seem appropriate. I don't think we did our research. Oh, well. <laughs> why not? I don't know. Yeah. It was the only play, only ver version of Fiddler Roof with a Cossack attack in the middle of the performance. We went to uh, a rabbi to uh, ask questions and learn things culturally. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, that was one of the things we did. And we all got our own uh, yarmulkes, which I still have in the other room. I still got nice. my yarmulke from then. Nice. Um, and uh, did I call it a Yamaha for a while? I certainly did. <laughs> Dumb as a sack of bricks. A lot of people were very impressed by it until they saw it. Yeah. Show you many got a Yamaha. Yeah, I do. Uh, but I remember uh, the rabbi asking, so is anyone here Jewish? 
and not a hand. And you could just see a, like a little deep sigh inside of him. Just like, okay, another one of these. Huh? <laughs> We're from North Delta. I mean, oh, all right. it's nice to be talked about, I suppose. But <laughs> okay. I'm sure he was fine with it. Yeah. Sure but it fine. is a little weird having, you know. The high, I mean, high school kids, you try your best, mm-hmm. but then you're doing the accent. Really? Doing this. You... Well, yeah, you do this to a degree. I you guess got, you, you do. do. I guess Right? You do. It's just like... I did not see it, so I did not oh, know there was... Oh, how we suffer in <laughs> Anatevka. Yeah, us, you're right. You're right. Oh, 16-year-old boys. <laughs> did it really go that far? Uh, what do you mean, that far? <laughs> Went that was That was freaking subtle. <laughs> Oh dear. I mean we got the we got the ringlets, we got the beards, we got the hats, we got bottles on the hats, we're doing the dance, we're I got uh, I got married, I got put on a chair. Oh my god. Yeah, this uh, yeah, it's 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 the full Megillah. Yeah. It's everything and everything. That's good though. You're learning about Jewish culture. Sure are. Yep. Yeah, that's good. Yep. I'm I'm thinking that might be a play that might not make it. Uh, the next couple of years. That is a possibility. Is that right? It might just be like, that might fall into the old cultural appropriation bucket. Hmm. That could that could very well be. It's too yeah. bad. Because I don't know how to do it without doing, doing you know, the over-the-top accents. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's too bad. Hmm. There you go. You were, uh, you were out of school at that point, right? I was... I mean, if I was... If I, been, if I had been around, I would have come to see it. But I was, I was in Alberta at the time. Yeah. When you I was thinking, I, like, if you'd been around, you probably would have been in it somehow. They would have somehow recruited you. <laughs> I don't you, think I, dragged I was you. out of school at that point. So. Yeah, but I, I, uh, I would have come to watch. I like going to. I like to go see school plays. I would quite often go, even if I didn't know anyone in them necessarily. I would go to school plays. I wonder if they're still doing cabaret because that was that was one that even back then when I saw, uh, yeah, Seascum. We call them <laughs> thank you monsters keep your keep your i know we were talking the other day about how i had a friend who went to siakum because he oh, he moved he moved away and moved back again and he, he that's where he moved into that neighborhood and then oh. i i went out with a with a girl a couple oh. of times ice skating and other things uh what a west side story that is very chaste it was a very chaste roman uh non-romantical good i'm glad to hear it well you know i just couldn't uh, yeah it's a problem i couldn't bring myself to to cross that. What if you what if you had a baby that was half uh, Siakum and half North Delta? Half Seascum, half North Delta? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Half Seascum, half greatest school ever. Awful. Greatest high school ever. But they show they showed. <laughs> they uh they did a production of Cabaret mm. and uh really went for it. In yeah, the you in kinda the, have to. No, they don't have to make it that <laughs> like they really went for it as in like in the sexy department. Sure. Right, so there's a lot People of like be sexy. 14 year old girls in like Wait. garters and the yeah. bits and the bits and the things sure. and the heels and the whatever. Sure, it seemed great when you're in when you're 14 years. When old. I okay, you know what though? What I'm saying is, yeah. when I was I don't know, probably about 16 at the time, and I went to see it. Yeah. Uh, even then, you know, even though they were my peers, yeah. I was going, "This is a bit over the top. <laughs> it's a bit much." Can you do this? Well, I you, don't think you could do this. And then later on, the yeah. uh, the drama teacher, of course, got the tap on the shoulder uh, from the uh, you know uh, the police and was uh, taken away, not for the play, but for other things that they did. Okay, okay, um, right. but uh, that's not so good. Not a, yeah, it was uh, everyone gasped in non surprise. I think my problem with doing cabaret is it's a pretty small cast. I think I kind of prefer. Well, you got big numbers. I guess that's what you have. I, I kind of prefer a play that allows for more ensemble. Like a big play with a lot of parts in it. Yeah, you know? I liked. Um, I always liked the. Um, my brother was in 
a version of uh, You Can't Take It With You, the George S. Kaufman play, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I think the play is a lot better than the movie. I'm oh, not really? A big, I'm not a big fan of the Frank Capra film. Okay. Because it changes the play. And I saw the play first. So, I mean, if it was vice versa, I might. How does it change it? I cannot remember now, but it, um, it's been a while since more I watched Crow? it. <laughs> yeah, it's more Jimmy the Crow. Uh, there is a crow, by the way, in it that's also in It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, that crow was in a lot of movies at the mm-hmm. time. Also acted as a Maltese Falcon. It's incredible job is it's very still still work. Um, no, I can't. Sorry, I can't remember now. But the ending has changed okay. between the two of them. And I'm sorry, I can't. Is the ending that you can take it with you? No. Okay. No, that's so I think what the, the lesson of the movie and the play is that you can't take it with you. Yeah, I just uh, I really enjoyed the like the school performance of it. It was a lot of fun. I went. I think I went like I think I went two or three nights and watched it. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, I went on the, the last night, which is not, wasn't fun because there was a lot of pranks mm. played during the performance. And I thought, well, this is stupid. Now you're just ruining everyone's fun. Mm. Especially people who came to see their kids perform. And now someone's tied a, tied a doorknob shut or whatever. So people can't, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, yeah, like yeah, those yeah. kind of jokes. You're like, oh, I guess it's funny. I forgot about that. That is something that people would do. Yeah, the was, final uh, performance. Final performance. Uh, goof them up. Yeah. Yeah, all of a sudden you let the uh, Nazis catch Maria and the uh, Von Trapps. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. I played in the school band for our performance of S- Sound of Music. Oh, okay. I remember that. That was in grade eight. I was in grade eight when that when that occurred. Were you in that play? I was not. I've never been in Sound of Music. Okay. Yeah. I would like to be. I'd like. Uh, I, I. I would uh, like to. Well, who's the? Uh, is it the captain? Is that his? You want to be? You want to be the captain? Captain Von Trapp? Oh, yeah. Why not? It's a good part. It's pretty good. Yeah. You get to you get to kiss a nun. That's that's sexy, <laughs> and uh, Edelweiss ain't ain't the hardest song in the world to uh, okay. sing. Okay, yeah, I would just uh, in this basic range couldn't be a more basic range, basic range, real basic, not a high note to hear. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. I would like to, I would do the boyfriend part. That's the part I would like. Oh, you would want to be the uh, the 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 you wait little girl in a in an empty stage for fate to turn the light on. That one? That what he sings? You wait, little girl, on an empty stage for fate to turn the light on. Yeah, you were 16 going on 17. Oh, okay. I, that's, that's the only part of it I know is you were 16 going on 17. Yeah. And we're not clear what my age is. <laughs> no, well, it's old enough to be in ser- military service. I so think that actually was a sketch that uh, John Mulaney did. On Yes, actually, that was a sketch. John Mulaney did on Saturday Night Live where it ke- his age kept going up. As he kept singing the song, oh, okay. it was like getting creepier and creepier. <laughs> it's good. There was a, uh, I think it was an "It's a Wonderful Life." I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but they had a sim- The person had a similar experience to mine, and that they had to go to bed at a certain hour every time they watched the movie, so they didn't know that he becomes a Nazi. And oh, not did you say you can't take it with you? You meant Sound of Music. Yeah, but we, you you were you were saying the boyfriend in uh, you said you were the band in the band in the Sound of Music. Just then. Yeah, yeah. I was in the band. That's what, that's what got us to Sound of Music. Yeah, yeah. But you said, sorry, but you said you can't take it with you, and that confused oh, me. Oh, I apologize. Yeah. Um, yeah, and sa- with Sound of Music, uh, they didn't see the uh, the last bit. So okay. It ends, it ends with, uh, so long, farewell, all fingers in, good night. Okay, that was a, t- a cue for the parents to send the kids to bed. Yeah, they, and they go go to bed, and then yeah. the intermission comes on, and that's the end. And if you watch it like that, it's just, what a happy movie. That's sure, great. yeah. And then uh, they watched the second half, because they had never seen it. And I was like, <laughs> no! And that was basically the same thing with me. Yeah. Oh, same you, never, you never saw the ending of it? Not really, no. And same with Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz, I would... Uh, 
you know, just like, oh, things get worse and worse. <laughs> Oop, hope things work out for her. <laughs> but I never saw her get, get back home. Okay. Yeah, because okay. it's on forever, and then you got to go to bed. It's time uh, to go to bed. My parents on, like, week weekend nights were more uh, flexible with that stuff, especially for when they liked. Okay. Like, my mom loved Sound of Music. Mm. And it often was on around my birthday. And I do, I do have kind of, res- I do sort of resent that film because one time I was supposed to go to a movie for my birthday, then it snowed out and we didn't go. And I, so we just stayed home and we watched Sound of Music. So mm. to me, the Sound of Music is like the sound of disappointment rather than the Sound of Music. It's me missing, me missing the fun of going to an actual movie, not watching a stupid movie on television in pan and scan. Blech. I think Rolf is the name of the character you want to play. You are that. correct. He was played by Rolf the dog. Hey, you are sick. <laughs> no, no, please, you do. No, I was terrible. It sounded more. It was absolutely again. fine. I can never do anything but a caveman voice, apparently. We learned that last week. <laughs> oh, Ralph's good. Um, <laughs> no, that's a good role because you, you you show up early. You get a nice musical number that everyone likes. Yeah. Get to dance dance with a nice yeah. lady. Yeah. Uh, you're gone. Mm-hmm. And then you get a nice scene at the end. And the rest of the time you get to dick around backstage and you're fine. <laughs> I know. I really, I could have, I could have done that part. And just miss like playing like second trumpet, which is you know who cares mm-hmm. uh, on that one song, and I could have been like in the play. I don't think I had the courage though to stand on stage and, and sing. And you know he's not a Nazi at the beginning yet, because yeah. because because he can sing, and Nazis can't <laughs> sing. Is that right? But the second you become a Nazi and embrace Hitler, yeah, you lose your uh, lose ability your... to uh, mm-hmm. sing the music. Okay, so you can only you can only uh, talk sing. Yeah, he might be able to do uh, yeah. Rex Harrison uh, banter. Yeah, exactly. situation. Yeah, yeah. You are sixteen, going on seventeen. And why can't a woman be more like a man? Well, just date a man. Oh, good point. And that's how the the musical My Fair Man. Showed up. <laughs> that's a pretty unfair play, actually, or uh, unfair movie in a way, because they hired a guy who couldn't sing. For the movie, like the stage in the play is a musical. The, mm-hmm. I the actual person who plays the professor Higgins, is that, I think that's his name, Henry Higgins. Yeah. Henry Higgins, thank you. He he sings in the play, but they hired a non-singing actor for the film. Mm-hmm. Then they hired Audrey Hepburn, a non-singing actress. But rather than have her do the same thing that Rex Harrison did, they had her uh, lip-syncing to the the uh, performer Marnie Nixon. Did oh, her, I didn't did know voice, that. Did her voice. She also did the voices. She did the singing for. Um, uh, for Natalie Wood in uh, West Side Story as well. Now, did Julie Andrews do My Fair Lady on Broadway? Yes. Okay. But they didn't want her for the because they didn't think she was attractive enough for the film. Had she done Sound of Music by this point? No. Sound of Music was Had her. she done Mary Poppins by this point? No. Okay. Well, that was their mistake. <laughs> yes. Okay. I mean, you know, Audrey Hepburn's perfectly fine in the role. I mean, it's a very good performance. It's just, I mean, I think they could have just allowed her to sing, even if she was a little weak. It's all right. Rex Harrison's nothing to write home about. Mm-hmm. Now, was he being cast in musicals before this? Was he a Broadway guy? Like, I know he no, did he Doolittle, uh, obviously. That yeah. was later on. That was like 1970 that he did Doolittle. Was it? Yeah, it's so quite a bit later on. Oh it's like gosh. It was like the last gasp musical that uh, Hollywood ever did. That movie was a big flopperoo. Okay. And very expensive. And it was a real studio sinker mm-hmm. because they just... They were like thinking in terms of the old paradigm. And then they put that movie out and everyone said, Hello, Dolly didn't do anything. Funny Lady didn't do anything. This didn't do anything. Well, when are you guys going to learn that no one wants to see big lavish musicals right now? Like, mm-hmm. It's not going to work. 
but uh, well, I would say Doolittle would would made more sense because I guess it was a tourer, right? That was the idea. It was one of these touring touring movies. Um, I, well, they're all pretty big movies. I mean, no, no. But, but, so what you mean? It was like one of those kind of like yeah, yeah they would yeah. go town to town and it would be an event, and that's why they had the intermission in the middle of them mm, and, and sure, that kind sure. of thing. Uh, it was different than like just a movie that comes and plays for as long as it plays. It would have a set amount of time, and then uh, off it goes. Yeah, with this print. But I could see like you know funny funny lady and and what have you you know that's you know Barbara Streisand those aren't movies necessarily for kids whereas Doctor Doolittle I could see like oh that's a real family mm. bring them all yeah. we're gonna see the push me pull you want to board the kids the animal the animal that can't shit um, <laughs> how does it live not very long and yes. not very well <laughs> <laughs> yes the please s- don't ever feed it the sentai pull you it is really. Uh, yeah, that was not a no. Before that, Rex Harrison was like a, a you know a dramatic actor or a comedian, I guess too, because he's in Unfaithfully Yours, the the final great Preston Sturges film. Oh, okay. Where he plays a composer who I only saw the remake. Fantasizes of murder. Yes, with Dudley Moore. I saw that as well. That's not bad. It's actually. not bad. It's a fine, yeah. it's a fine movie. It's a good plot. Like, it's a good plot to By go way, from. This is this is almost uh, most Dudley Moore movies. You go, yeah, it's all right. It's okay. It's fine. Well, I mean, it's, it's fine. It's a good. It's a good. Have you seen ten? It's okay. It's I've okay. Never, never seen time. It's okay. It's fine. This is what you go. How about Arthur? Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. You'll see. It's, it's okay. fine. It's, it's okay. fine. How about Bedazzled? It's pretty good. It's better than fine. I like Bedazzled. Yeah, I'd, I'd go better than fine. Is it great? It's got some great scenes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a string of sketches. Some are better than others. Right. But um, and Faith of Yours is like a to me is like a great idea because you you set up this perfect murder. At the beginning of the film, like that, he plans the perfect murder, and then the second part of the film is him attempting to accomplish this and failing miserably, and it's really quite quite good. Other than the fact, you know, if you overlook the fact that he's trying to murder his wife, other than that, it's quite it's quite good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the problem with that role is you have to like the person, like they have to make themselves. You likeable. have to like the person who's trying to murder their wife. Well, you have you have to understand. You have to be sympathetic to them. Otherwise, it's just like, what do you care? You know okay. What I mean? It's kind of a tricky role. I walked in, uh, not walked in. Well, I walked into the room uh, with a couple of people in my house. We're watching a, a movie with um, George Clooney and uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Oh yeah, that's the unfaithfully. Well, no, it's not. Unfaithfully yours, but but um, yeah, it's the it's the Coen Brothers film where they're getting divorced. Yeah, but they're but they are sort of planning each other's murders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you're still supposed to like them because they're. It's charming. not. A, it's not very well done. I think to, I'm not a big fan of Coen Brothers comedies i don't think there's any that i like raising arizona don't like it love it i know love raising arizona i know I, so people much. love that movie but i, I just wow i, I find okay. their humor really clunky and it doesn't doesn't appeal and you to don't me. like hudsucker proxy not much wow okay i also really like that uh, i know i know yeah. I've, I've, i saw it in, i that Wait, one do I, you count fargo as a comedy no oh i'm okay kinda, with humor I in the film do. there's i mean it, there's so much comedy in there it. is but it has there's also stuff that isn't comedy. People being put into a leaf blower or a, a tree mulch. It's pretty funny not, when he's put into a leaf. There's a little leg sticking up. It's pretty funny. It's dark comedy, but it's funny. <laughs> I don't think that's a. I don't think that's. I don't think the film is a comedy. I think it's a has humorous elements to it, but it's overall. It's, he's a funny looking guy. You know, it's kind of like Miller's Crossing has funny elements too, but it's Miller's it's, Crossing it's a, is pretty dark. I don't think there's any. Well, I mean, there is William H Macy. You know, kind of getting almost. Well, I don't want to spoil everything about this thing, <laughs> but there isn't that pleading for your life in the woods scene like in mm. uh, Miller's Crossing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd say Miller's Crossing is a lot more straight than Fargo. Whereas mm-hmm. Fargo, I don't think you go more than ten minutes without a pretty solid laugh. Mm. 
Yeah, even when they're you know trying to find the guy and just yeah. just describe it just the guy. works better for me because it's it's Maybe has it's a dramatic story you know it has a dramatic story to it and yeah it's it's tough to it's tough to have those accents and take it too straight mm. you know through, yeah, through the yeah. whole yeah 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 it's got some good stuff uh, it has some realistic stuff his attempt to paint the the duck stamp which is a real thing yeah it's kind of great kind of great how he uh, grounds the movie. Yes, he does he a really make, good job. Yeah, he, you you really like him, mm-hmm. and just like when you got like a guy who's the the weasel who's just trying to <laughs> get all the stuff, and it's just like that guy's just trying to paint the bucks. Yeah, he's just trying to do things. She gives a good, you know, and she's like, yeah, they're probably just going to put it on the on the one center or whatever. And it's like, well, people always need the one centers because they're always raising the price of the posters, so they need the extra. Yeah, they need the one centers. Everyone needs those. Like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Those are important stamps. It's like, oh, you got a good marriage. She's not lying to you. She's just found the the, no, the real good, good angle on it. I think maybe the humor in that is a little more sly. It's not. It's not the kind of more, uh, you know, slapsticky. It's not raising Arizona. It's not slapsticky right. yeah, stuff. Yeah. I just like. I don't know. I just think about all those guys. Like, I feel the same way about um, Sam Raimi when he's trying to be like just fuck comedy. I don't like it. I don't like brain cape. What is it called? Or crime wave. Okay. The, which is the Coen Brothers Sam Raimi comedy. Yeah. So called. I put comedy in quotation marks. Don't like it at all. It's just a painful film to me to watch. How about uh, in uh, Army of Darkness where you're really getting like some yeah, that's broad. That's fun because it works. There's like kind of a back and forth between like you know different elements of action and comedy okay. and horror. Getting sucked and, into the books and stuff yeah, and it's doing fun. that. I that's mean, fun. that's just a straight comedy scene. Yeah, yeah, but it works there. It works. I mean, and he has a masterful actor and and uh, Sam Re- and Sam, or Bruce Campbell, which helps yeah. a lot, obviously. But yeah, I don't. I just I don't know. I just something about the Coen Brothers. Like, I love Blood Simple. I, I love Miller's Crossing. It's one of my favorite films. Okay. Um, Fargo's great to me. Um, Lady Killers isn't that good. No, Lady Killers is awful. Yeah. Mary watched it a little while ago. She, she said, am I supposed to like this movie? <laughs> I said, I don't know. I don't know what the reaction supposed to be. You don't have to like be. any movie, honestly. You, I mean, enjoy people no... getting slapped. It's a movie for you. Yeah. You like people uh, being thrown off a bridge. Uh, that's a, It is a really good movie for that. There's a lot of good people being thrown off bridges there. <laughs> um... Did you like the original Lady Killers? Yeah, that's a very good movie. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if it's the cast. Like I just Tom think, Hanks. This is not bad. The guy's been in some stuff. Like I think uh, the Big Lebowski's okay. Like I'm not a big okay. Well, that's that's a comedy. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I just think it's okay. Like it's not my favorite. I I don't mind it. I think it's okay. But uh, like like I say, I'd rather watch. Nobody uh, could use Dudley Moore. <laughs> I'd rather watch No Country for Old Men than I'd watch The Big Lebowski or The True Grit, which I think is a really good film as well. Okay. And I wasn't expecting it to be good. I thought, oh, it's going to be, the source material isn't so great. Oh, they did a really good job. They basically made so their own movie. So is Lady Killers and uh, True Grit their only remakes? I Unless you're guess. counting The Odyssey and uh, Oh Brother. I was thinking that too, Oh Brother, which is another movie I'm not that fond of. I like that one, yeah. I know, people like all those movies, and yeah. I just, and I think they're okay. I don't hate them. I just think they're okay. Like, sometimes they, you know, not every movie they make is uh, great. Did they do the Buster Scrubs one? Okay. I've not seen that. All right. So I can't comment on it. All right. Yeah, sure you can. With any, author- with no, any authority. No, come on. <laughs> comment on things that you haven't seen. <laughs> no comment. Do it. No comment. All right, fine. Because there's that one with, um, is it Brad Pitt and... Yeah. Burn Before Burn Reading? Burn Before Reading, yeah. Ugh, didn't like that one. Yeah. That doesn't really do, do it for me either. That's that's a full-on ugh to me, that one. Though I like all the actors in it. Mm-hmm. And I think they're uh, they're trying real hard. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's nothing, nothing against them. It's just, meh. 
Yeah. What are we doing here? Why are we doing this? <laughs> are we doing? Let's feel that way. We're not immortal. There's there's some movies that I'm in, I am in the theater sometimes and just go like I'm not going to live forever. <laughs> so you know, there's no point in, in in burning through two hours doing this when I could be like outside walking around. Did you actually walk out? Outside's uh, pretty good. No, not that one. But there have yeah. been enough movies that I've mm. just gone just like you know. Yeah, times times think, precious. I've never done that, and there's no way that this will get better. Well, one of the first ones I I remember doing was Hollow Man, where uh, mm. I, it was just well, this is just gonna like the very first thing Hollow Man does, uh, Kevin Bacon does when he gets the power of invisibility. You think like, oh, we're gonna have like he's gonna steal something or do something, and it's gonna build mm-hmm. to a bad place, and he's just like he just full on sexually assaults a woman. Like that's the first thing. I'm like, well, this ain't gonna get better. Bye. <laughs> Out. He's the, he's the villain, right? Uh, you didn't know that, but yeah, he is. Okay. Yeah, okay. like immediately becomes the villain. And it was just mm. it was just put my hands up and done, <laughs> gone. I walked out of uh, Lawnmower Man two before then for sure, but that was also that was just going like, well, you clearly don't have a movie here for me. Bye. <laughs> That's fair enough. I mean, I guess I've turned movies off on television, but I don't know. I'm the sort of person that is kind of like once I've started something, I just kind of my teeth to the end i i shouldn't say that there's movies that i've bailed on mm-hmm. especially to be movies a lot of those movies are very bailable get to a certain point you're like hmm, this movie made in russia is not doing it for me i guess i used to see movies on granville street a lot so it would be like eh, i'll just leave yeah there's stuff to do on granville street go to a bookstore uh yeah. go play at the uh, arcade go uh, do something else i'd mm-hmm. be fine walk to stanley park go to the beach there's so many better options than seeing the end of Hollow Man. <laughs> and I'm never going to go, oh, I wish I'd seen Hollow Man. I hear it gets really good. Mm. No one's ever said that in, yeah. in their lives. I'm the same with books. If I start a book, I'll read it right to the very end. Oh, wow. Whatever okay. my feelings about it, it will be finished. I read it. I did not enjoy it. And For me, got... it's uh, like good luck book. Good luck <laughs> with me getting through this. Yeah, I know. I, was, I don't know what it is. It's just like, because I, I, I started it. I guess I learned to clean my plate, right? You gotta. I didn't enjoy it, but I, I ate my all the food that was on the plate. Okay. Well, you know they're telling kids not to do that anymore. So, you know, <laughs> hopefully you can get over that and get over this and you know save your time. Yeah, that's fine. Because there's better books. If you're like through halfway through a book and it's not a good book, this that's time you could be reading a book you like. That's good time. That's good book reading time. But you don't know. Sometimes books will turn around at the end. Maybe. And a book that you did not like. I can't really think too many that's happened that way to me. But I know Lisa read. Life of Pi, and she hated it. Hated it until the end. Then she loved it. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's weird. Okay. This looks like it's going to be one of the questions of the of the week. Oh, okay. Good. Write that down. The uh, ending saves the thing. Speaking of, by the way, uh, Granville Street, uh, Movie Land Arcade's closing. I saw the, I saw you post that, and I was yeah, yeah. my first reaction was, oh. Then my re- second reaction was, well, I haven't been there for like five years, so I'm only myself, five years. Wow. I have myself to blame. Maybe yeah. Was, well, we've gone there we went there like during Sneaky Dragon days, like early on. Okay. Because I know we went with, with Roger. Sure, sure. Like he loves going there. Yeah. Yeah, he likes to play this so, one game that's like a physical uh, game where uh, you, you physically duck. Yes. So that, you know, right. when, when uh, someone's shooting at you. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we call it Officer Down because uh, that's what always ends up happening. Is you're, the, <laughs> you're, you're shot and it's like, Officer Down. That's right. But like, you know, one of my earliest memories of Roger is playing Tetris with him mm. in there. Like many 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 years ago they yeah, got a tetris yeah. game that came out when tetris came out yeah and yeah. they had the uh, adams family uh before i started going out with uh uh someone uh, i saw her playing the adams family game there uh on the regular 
And I felt like she's got good taste in pinball. Yeah, it's a good game. Yeah. And one of the first things when I posted that uh, it closed, like, oh, no, I played so much Adam's Family there. It's like, yeah, it's one of the best, uh, one of the best games. Yeah. For those that uh, don't live in the Vancouver area, and that is most of you, uh, it was an old-timey um, arcade yeah. that uh, seemed to survive forever. It was, it's been around at least 50 years. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so it's got the old games, uh, there, you know, guy would give you quarters at the front, who knows what, how it survived for this long, but it didn't survive COVID. And in the back, it had this weird situation where it had these booths. And I know you're going like, oh, you mean like dirty movie booths? Yeah, but here's how it was. It wasn't video. It wasn't on a screen or anything. Yeah. It was movie projectors and it was movie projectors that you would like look in through, like a little square and it and 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 it would be an eight millimeter movie projector it would like uh, shoot uh, an image onto a little white piece of paper that they had paper <laughs> clipped up and you could see like a a little por- like old timey porno movie yeah yeah uh, and you know you could put a quarter in and it would it would show you this and it was just such a, a weird thing <laughs> that was always there yeah. and it had a, a giant sign above it that said girly movies that took up like the entire ceiling. Yeah, yeah. And you think like, oh, these would be fancy movies. No, no, it's the cheapest thing you've ever seen. I don't even know how the setup works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is weird. Yeah. I actually never went back there. I was too too shy to, to go well, into a it's too late now. Here. Yeah, I you missed could my possibly, You could possibly buy one of the machines. <sighs> oh, if only. I could dream. But yeah, no, I just... The things like that, I, you, I just want to be like sensible in, in my nostalgia, you know, like... I do feel like bad that all that stuff is disappearing but i feel like the whole area is gone so well this is this is like the last gasp of there's that two street. things that remain for me one is uh one is golden age collectibles but okay even, th- even then that's kind of changed and yeah is what they it move is. they move from where they originally were too they move from where they originally were and then there was there was that like i've got memories of when i i worked as a uh, door-to-door salesman for a day mm. and like that's where we gathered with the guy who was running things and he, you know, pointed out this like a uh, giant video game where you could get in and you'd be like a jet fighter thing. And you were like, imagine one of these in the office. Huh? Oh, that'd be something. Oh boy. <laughs> wouldn't that be something? We could all do that. Oh, that'd be great. And then, uh, you know, set us off on our merry way. Yeah. Yeah. Awful. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was definitely there when I first started going downtown and, uh, there was infinity movies playing. And then mm-hmm. there was, uh, uh, there was four uh, arcades within about uh, two and a half blocks. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, this was the last one that remains of that. Mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm. the movie theaters are now uh, gone. They're yeah. all they're all gone from that street completely. Yeah. All now nightclubs or, or some such. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the yes, it's now it's now the entertainment district. But entertainment doesn't count. <laughs> Movies don't count as entertainment. So yeah, they're all gone. Yeah, it is really the entertainment. What they mean by entertainment is. A bunch of guys wearing jeans with untucked in dress shirts fighting each other in the street. That's the entertainment district. Yeah, there's now. a lot of uh, big swinging, <laughs> big swinging punches uh, going out there, and a lot of yeah. people with half their pants down. Um, I was waiting for a bus the other day, and there was two two guys with half their pants down, and, <laughs> who I thought must know each other <laughs> based on their based on their similar. It was attire. like they were wearing them the exact same they, they way, like, and like, and both of them almost yeah. passing out to the point where people were checking to make sure they were okay. They were like bookends. Yes. Yeah. And you could just like slip some books in there and <laughs> they just keep them or you. just park your bike, uh, whatever, whatever you were going <laughs> sure, to do. Sure. But it is, it is weird because it was, Granville Street was such a sanctuary for me back in the day. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, yeah, of course times change, but yeah. it was the one holdout that was there for so long. You thought, well, there's something to this. This is weird. It, it feels like 
It feels like the, the whoever there's owned crime. the arcade. There's crime. It may have been that. I kind of feel like they own the building and they, and yeah. so they just, it was their, their dad. It, it was owned by their dad yeah, or whatever. Just and just keep, keep, keep going. But then eventually the pressure, because it's. Yeah, they can't be making enough in quarters well, that's in the a thing. day. They're not, you know, and eventually the, you know, the, the taxes, the pay, you know, the property taxes are just so outrageous that it doesn't make any sense anymore and you have to like. Be sensible and sell it. Now it's going to get turned into condos or whatever. And, yeah. Um, with, you know, stores in the bottom and condos It's con- going to be, it's gonna be turned into dull. Yep. Just it's like everything else in Vancouver. Dull. The dullest city ever. We used to call it No Fun City when I was a kid, but we didn't know what No Fun was. Like, we didn't know what, like, Killjoys were until until we got to know. And now we understand, oh, that's what it is. No clubs. No, like, no music. Like, no clubs where you can go see a band play. Yeah. Those are all gone. Those are all gone now. There's no there's no movies in that area. Like there's no like there's no record stores down there. You know, there's like nothing. Well, there is. There's to make the you one, want to go. There is a record store oh, uh, a... where the studio, like where Paradise, yeah, yeah, uh, theaters, yeah. It's like got the giant sign that says studio. Oh, like that's right. That's right. That's a record store. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Oh, but they sell records, right? You mean the yeah, record store? Does yeah. it sell records? Yeah. I, I, when what I say, kind of record store were you I, looking for? Well, I want a record store that's like sells music at like a, at a at an appropriate cost not like modern records are very expensive like they're like okay. 30 i don't know what stuff. the records cost. yeah they're crazy what they cost because like a boutique i believe it's okay it's i believe that thing. it's a nightclub but you walk through a record oh, store okay. to get to the nightclub so oh, i don't I know if the you know it's all subsidized by the nightclub yeah, so I'm maybe sure they could just yeah. sell regular you know regularly priced records i don't know how it goes i don't yeah. even know how much a record would be now 30 bucks is that how much a record is 30 dollars yeah. wow i know i know it's crazy like why are you buying records? People were complaining about CDs when they were fifteen dollars. Why are they so expensive? Now we're paying thirty dollars for a record. Well, why is this better? Well, it's cooler. It sounds better. <laughs> it does. Okay. Yeah, I thought you were telling me that uh, CDs sounded better. Wasn't that the whole argument? Um. Well, I don't know if why anybody... did we pay for CDs then? What was the thing? What was Port- the portability. I guess it is smaller. Play, play in your car. Remember your CD wallet in your visor and play cds in your car you could take them to parties in a, in a small way yeah store them get one of those in your rotating house. cd players i'll play mm-hmm. five cds yeah i have a carousel oh, could you imagine that playing uh-huh. five different albums there was one holy moly there were players that played like you could put a hundred cds in them oh, i can't even believe that that's <laughs> fiction yeah, that's next thing you're going to tell me that on this little device i got in my pocket that i could have ten thousand songs <laughs> all the songs sure. i want it's instantly all, all i have to do is pay six dollars a month and all the songs you don't want yeah that, that is true and uh, I'm sure all the uh, performers are going to get rich. <laughs> rich. Rich off it. Rich beyond the Rich, 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 rich. Some will get rich. Yeah. Some get paid more than others. Now, I do understand. Obviously, the times there are changing. I understand that. That's completely fine. Uh, but it is, it is weird having like the one thing like go away. Man. And uh, and they're Sad. selling the sign as well, which if oh. I had the money, I would buy. <laughs> They're not going to put it in the museum? That's too bad. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, maybe they'll make them an offer. Uh, I'm trying to think what it says. Uh, like, there was another sign that was similar that was by the Balmoral Hotel okay, or whatever Balmoral, that, yeah. that said, Guns, Games, Girls. Mm. And I was like, oof. <laughs> it's quite the uh, it's quite the business you run. Yes. Sir. Quite the promise. Yeah. Am I really going to see this? I'm game. I'm yeah, they have. Uh, yeah, that's one of the things. Games. It's the second thing. <laughs> I just meant I was. I was Guns, games, girls. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm girls. But you can only have one. Mm. What do you choose? I have an answer. Okay. Do I have to say it? No. <laughs> it's for the best that you don't. My uh, 
I don't know if I mentioned this, but my brother-in-law was trapped at their cabin for three weeks. Beca- oh, okay. Because the, the weather, because of the because of the fact that we had no freeways, that uh, like no highways to oh, get geez. to get back home. And then when he tried to go back home, finally, yeah. his car, the water pump went on his car. Oh, so then he had to get that repaired before he could before he could leave. So, so um, he spent three weeks by himself up at the cabin, going crazy. We married. A chi- Lit- he married a chicken. So that's a okay. Well, as long as they weren't living in sin, it was big of me. That's the problem. He was already married, so I don't know what's going to happen. It was big of her too. So the uh, oh, hello phone. <laughs> Thank you. The, that was Thank the, the that acknowledges the joke. <laughs> Thank you for laughing at mm-hmm. that dumb joke phone um, from Marx Brothers. Obviously, uh, I was thinking one. I was thinking like uh, at one point how creepy it would be if you tell a joke so funny it makes your cat laugh and just like the cat just out of the side just goes <laughs> I'm like what. <laughs> You just laugh. Like, didn't know you could laugh. Never said anything funny before. Ah, shut up, cat. <laughs> Jerk. Ruined the moment. Um, so he was there for three weeks with not much to do. Okay. Cabin uh, fever, she might say. Well, you know, he worked from home. He worked. He, had, he could do remote work, so he, did, he was at work. Okay. Working. Because they now have Wi-Fi up there, much to my horror. But he, he decided while he was there, he thought, you know what I've never done? I've never listened to Sneaky Dragon. So he just... This is the start of a horror movie. <laughs> Trapped in a cabin. Yeah. You know, I've never listened to my brother's podcast. Yes, exactly. He's a very stable man. Gentle, kind. <laughs> no, let's give it a listen. Yeah. yeah. Like, by the way, I'm going to drink this liquid I just found. <laughs> okay, now let's give it a listen. No, he listened to uh, the very first episode, mm. the second episode, and then the most recent episode of that time. Wow, big skip. I know. And I was kind of curious. So I was, I was curious about that. I said, um, but he said, <laughs> he said, he goes, you know what? So what's that? You guys are really funny. I said, no, oh, thanks. He goes, goes, oh, that, that Ian, he's really funny, isn't he? I said, I think so. Been, so oh, huh? That's nice to hear. Yeah, he said, you're really, really good. I said, what about me? Am I? He said, nah, you're, you're fine. But uh, And then he went, remember, I am a shut-in. <laughs> But yeah, and then I said, I said, well, what did you think about that? I said, was there much of a difference to you between the first show and the and the last show? He said, well, you guys are more, you're a little more smooth, I guess. You're a little smoother in your delivery than you were then. But he said, not much difference. <laughs> so you still just talk about nothing. Like, you just go on and on. So yeah. He, go, I don't know, he, said, he said, I would listen to more shows, but, you know, your guys' shows are like three hours long. <laughs> I said, I know. Yeah, we, we know. <laughs> we know. It's a problem. Yeah. I was like, why don't you guys do more shows? <laughs> Because. <laughs> so what, yeah, how long was our first show, would you say, lengthwise? I don't know. I've never, mm. no idea, no no memory of that. I'm I, sorry. I know there's a way to look that up. <laughs> yeah. But I, uh, but I can't think of a way to look it up without uh, really having to go. You'd have to really go back. Yeah. Really... I mean, no, if you go up to the top of that list on the side there of posts. You Wait can... a second. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, that'd be uh, 2011, right? There you go. Yeah, okay, here we go. Let's find see. out, everyone. Yeah, I got that uh, first show was 15 minutes long. We didn't have much to say at the beginning. Now you can't stop us. Yeah, that's interesting. Sneaky Dragon episode one. All right, let's let's see what we got. I'm try- I'm going to try and not uh, start it playing. <laughs> All right. Uh, so there we go. And if I oh, I actually have to hit the button just to just to see how the yeah. length of it. Yeah. Uh, 52 minutes. Reasonable. 52 <laughs> reasonable minutes. <laughs> and the first letter we got was from. Uh, uh, Mike Roth. Oh, that's uh, nice. Uh, saying great job with the with the podcast. And uh, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. 
because uh, in our letters uh, this this week, yeah, uh, we have uh, uh, someone commenting on a Star Wars thing. Okay, that you, that you were talking about. Yeah, and the first thing that Mike uh, says is, "I'm with you on Return of the Jedi." <laughs> so we have not changed at all. We have not changed. That's we, good. We, 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 we get a letter about Last Jedi yeah, yeah. at the spoilers yeah. at the end of this episode, and yeah. our first letter on our first episode was, "I'm with you on Return of the Jedi." So we've gone from Jedi to Jedi. That's good. Wow. That nice of Mike to read in as well. Yeah. And then a discussion nice about the reveal of Doctor Claw's face in Inspector Gadget. A, uh... And then a letter from me. <laughs> oh. Uh, uh yeah 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 and then i do a joke about uh twin peaks which we talked about with uh nina matsumoto uh just a couple episodes ago wow well nothing has god damn it that's scary nothing has changed (laughs) i just want to say uh mike roth fellow fellow footlighter sure yeah there you go that's our connection so it's nice to get some support from a from a fellow fellow comedian Mm -hmm. that's nice yeah he came to our first live show you did he did. Okay. Michael, yeah. Oh. Do you remember that? I don't remember. Sorry. That was at, uh, uh, that was at... Uh, the Rio. No, it was not. It was the first not. live show was in the Rio? No, it was not. What where was, was our first live show? Oh, this is good trivia. Dave, where was our first live show? Was that the one we did with uh, another podcast? No. I might be getting this wrong, but I don't think I am. Where was our first, first live show? It was Vancouver Fan Expo. Oh, that's right. He did come to see that. Yeah. We went, we, uh, no one knew it was happening. But somehow he he made it to uh, the uh, the podcast that no one knew it was going to happen. Uh, some people came in and thought we were there talking about Star Wars action figures, and realized <laughs> we weren't, and got up and left. Yeah. But it was like it was him. I think uh, Pia showed up, uh, and uh, Mary was there. I think. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Mary was and Eve was, there was Eve us? there? Yeah, Mary and Eve were with. Yeah, with I remember her. they were there, and I think that was the entire crowd, and uh, and we're in quite a large room. And that was our first live show. That's right. I, for, I forgot to turn on the machine at the beginning of it. Yeah. So we missed a little bit of our talk. Nice. Yeah. As, as usual. And then, uh, yeah. And there was a few people there who were just befuddled. <laughs> Let's put it, put it mildly. Yeah. But good. you know what? Look, you're at, uh, you're at a Comic-Con. Yeah. You're going to wander into a room and not know what's going on. That's normal. Mm. That's, I've done that many a time where I've just gone like, I just need some place to sit down. Go in. What are we talking about? Uh-huh. So this is this Magic the Gathering cards? No. That's too mainstream. What is it? Okay. Huh? All right. But they're cards. What? Stamps. Okay. Like physical stamps? What? Mental stamps? What's that mean? I don't know. Okay. Mm. All right. We're just going to listen to the Q&A and try and uh, yeah. uh, try and get up to speed. Yeah. Yeah. Parse it out. I'll make sense of this soon. Nothing made sense. Yeah, no, that was. Uh, I'm afraid about that show. I was thinking, I was thinking that the first show was at the Rio, and I was thinking I don't remember Mike there because he wasn't there, but he was there at the. Sorry, there, he was there with his family. Yeah, his he team. was like, "Pack up the family. We're gonna go see the Sneaky Dragon podcast <laughs> as a family." Yeah, and now it's a treasured family That's memory. Pretty nice. Yeah, I mean, they got to do other stuff there. They, were, I certainly hope so. They were at I certainly hope that wasn't the only thing that they was... came. To do and then just left. Left right after. Oh my gosh! Dad, can we go look at? Nah, we only came here to see Sneaky Dragon. Let's get let's get out of here. That's right. You know what we were here for. Everything else is garbage. Yeah. Go scoot. <laughs> Poor kids. Uh, some some people have been asking if we're going to be doing something with uh, uh, the new Beatles thing that's on the uh, on the on the Disney Plus. Probably. 
but I've been I've been doing my best to watch it. Okay, I've been doing my best to watch it. Okay, and uh, I feel I feel dirty watching it. I feel like I'm watching conversations that I'm not supposed to be watching. Hmm. It feels like this is personal. Yeah, it feels like I shouldn't be watching them having the having this talk. It's interesting, but it's, yeah. it feels too. Yeah. It feels a little personal. I, that's what I kind of like about I feel it. Like, I like I'm kinda... overhearing things. Mm. Yeah, that's what I like about it. Okay. I, I mean, obviously, it starts off rough and then it gets better. Okay, is that how it goes? Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm halfway through the first. Okay. And uh, and yeah, the one the, the, there's two things. One, it really makes you want uh, uh, toast and tea. <laughs> yes, it's great. You just see like, oh, they're getting a lot of good Why toast. it's always sitting on the floor? I don't know. That seems. Yeah, weird. yeah. It's like, are yeah. there no mice? There must be mice. <laughs> like, I don't think they leave it there when they leave. No, no. They but, clean you it know, up. It's a very big space, and yeah. you know. You think mice are going to dash in and out? I think anywhere in England that you put something down, yeah. and look away, a mouse is going to run in and it's going to grab it. <laughs> you have and a he's high opinion a of British shirt. Mice. Yeah, yeah. Bring a nightshirt, maybe high a top hat, and then he'll, he'll, he'll leave <laughs> off. And go, oh, it left it for me, hey, governor! And off he goes. It's a piece of dry toast. Yeah, and then you'll yell for the cat, Morris. Mm-hmm. And like, ooh, ooh. Uh, the mouse took the toast. There's, there's a scene later on where these two young girls come in carrying like these, he, these over like this heaping trays of teacups. They bring in and they are like tea mug, like mugs of tea, and they they put them down. And you're like, how many people are in the studio at this moment? Why are they? That's like forty cups of tea there. This is weird. But yeah, I do suspect there's probably more people like, that you that can were, see that yeah. were that are just off doing the cameras and things stuff and, and yeah, all the all the yeah. bits they hide themselves very very well <laughs> uh but but yeah boy they like tea they're they are british yeah yeah there's yeah. no there's no toys about it <laughs> and the other thing of course that makes you go is just like oh john and george and that makes you sad and you go like oh they're just people you know yeah you think you, you don't think of them as people 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 mm-hmm. and this really like grounds them as people 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 or that's what i like, like about it i really have to yeah. say that it's I interesting really... seeing them come in in the morning and just mm-hmm. like a little tired mm-hmm. and John's late again and you're complaining about your guy at work who's just not coming in at the right time. <laughs> you know, even though they're wearing their enormous coats. Yeah, yeah. They come it's, a, it's a good time for big coats. Well, it's cold. I imagine it was cold in there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting tidbits and I mean, we'll go into it. We'll go into yeah. it. Uh, we'll, ha- we'll do it. We're going to do it. I'm going to twist Ian's arm and we're going to do a show of this. Yeah. Sort of one. No, when I saw, okay, this was this is my thing. It's like, yeah, I'm going through things this week where I'm going like, all right, I'm just taking it easy this week because mm. last week was blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and like, all right, let's just see. So, uh, well, they divide it into three. Well, that's good. That's yeah, nice. yeah. Okay. Let's see how long each one of these is. <laughs> so the whole... Well, I felt the same the way, though. The whole motherfucker is eight <laughs> hours. Yes. Almost, yeah. It's basically like, I mean, seven, be, hours and, or, uh, seven hours and 45 to be, minutes. To be fair, yeah. it is just like a full work day. It's just like, yeah. well, this is my work day. It's yeah. just is watching this. Yeah. But I'm like, okay. Then I'll, I'll start to watch it. So I start, <laughs> I start watching. I'm watching it with Pia. And and it's just so loosey goosey though too. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. well, they're just wandering around and just sort of muttering to each other and talking a bit. <laughs> and like, oh boy, there's eight hours of them muttering to each other. Okay, I can do this. I can. Yeah. We can do this. And then, yeah. of course, you hear a little bit of a song that you like, and you're like, ah, that. Okay, I know. Ah, that. It feel it. Well, it feels like it's a trick, right? Because you, every all the press you heard about it said it was a six hour documentary, and so you're thinking six hours, like ridiculous. And then you like open your your Disney app and you get to get back and you click on it and you're like, oh, here's the three segments. Two hours and 33 minutes. What is the other one? Two hours and 33 minutes. Oh my God. What's the last one? Two hours and 17 minutes. How much? 
That's not six hours. It's more than seven <laughs> hours of stuff. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. But, well, whatever. It is interesting just uh, it's, watching it's watching it. And again, it's not nothing specific about uh, this because again, we'll get specific uh, when it says. But it is just interesting watching a creative process. That's what and, I really enjoy. And, and yeah. yeah, I'm just wondering. You can get a little bit of something like that with say uh, Heart of Darkness or something mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. where you'll see how they're putting that movie together. And is I mean, because because you end up with something and think like, oh, this just springs from the hand, mind of God. Yeah. And it, of course, it came out perfect. Of course. But yeah. It is interesting just seeing that. Working out stuff like before. Before this time, Get Back didn't exist. Yeah. So it's just interesting to watch them make Get Back into a song. Like, started with a very basic uh, hummed idea to a full flow and song that they recorded. And then they're like, might as well make it a single. You're like, okay, yeah, you might as well, because yeah. it's a really good song. <laughs> yeah, so and then talk about what they like, what they don't like. Yeah. I'm wondering if it, it will be, if watching this, if you're, say, a musician, mm. is does, does watching this make you then go, huh, maybe you can make stuff. Because, you know, because I think it would be imposing to go like, well, I could never write a song like yeah. Lennon McCartney. There's yeah. no way you could. But like, well, why don't you see how they do it? Yeah. It's like this. Not only that, but how much junk they do too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like how much just like throwaway stuff they do yeah, on the on the road it, to the finding. It's the Kurt Vonnegut quote about like, you yeah. know, 99% of, you know, uh, creativity is fucking around. Yeah, and yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of fucking around. Yeah, yeah. And then occasionally someone will go, hey, we got to stop fucking around. <laughs> Like, yeah, okay. And the other 1% is some guy going, stop fucking around. We gotta, get the, we gotta get this together. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is, like, they'll be like, well, we only have so many days to get this done. And then cut to them playing Good Golly Miss Molly, you know, with funny voices. And you're yeah. like, oh, okay. But it gets do, you there. Do it at your own speed. <laughs> You'll get there. But yes, we'll talk about it more. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil all my thoughts about it. But uh, there we go. And so we, and so we shan't. Can you think of a, another uh, documentary, like my, well, it was Hearts of Darkness. Hearts of Darkness. Sure. Uh, can you think of anything else like that that would uh, that that showed you the creative process in, in well, that regard? It's funny that you say that. I just heard about a documentary that was done about a play or a musical, a Stephen Sondheim musical that was based on "Merrily We Go Along," that he just that they did in the in the early eighties, mm. and they hired a bunch of very young up and coming actors for this. You know, they had a big curtain, call, you know, a big roll call or whatever they call it, curtain call edition thingy. Yeah. They had a big cattle call. They had, you know, that's they, it. They had that cows come in. They had cows come in. And that was a problem because the cows couldn't sing. They couldn't, they could get some of the notes, but they couldn't get to the They F could sharp. start to sing Moon River and then they really couldn't <laughs> stick to That's right. That's right. They're really, yeah. They, they're good at the latter half of Blue Moon. They, they're really good at a few yeah. things, but not all of them. Yeah. So the, um, but apparently, like, this guy decided to make a, so it came out, it was a huge flop. Like, everyone wanted to be in it, of course, because it was a guaranteed smasheroo. Yeah. And then it was just, a, like, dead. Dead in the water. Like, the pre- the previews weren't great. Had lots of walkouts. And then when they finally, they did, like, 12, 13 performances on Broadway, and that was the end of it. But one of the guys who was in it decided he was going to do a documentary about his experiences, because that was, like, his first film that he ever got to do. And so he started making this documentary. And, of course, you're like, oh, man, I wish we had like footage of us at the time working on this documentary. Well, then it turned out they were making a, a documentary about making this play while it was being made. Oh. And no one, and uh, you assume it was all lost, but no, the tapes were still extant, and so they were able to incorporate those into this film. Okay. So there's an example. I wish I knew the name of it, though. I'll have to look it up. I was just listening to um, them talk about it on a podcast I listened to, and I just thought that sounded really interesting because there is, like, Stephen Sondheim's book about 
his sort of autobiography, which is, but apparently it's full of like really great thoughts and tips about writing and, and, and stuff. But I have a feeling that this is also really good. There's something about, there's something more interesting about a failure than there is about a success. Mm-hmm. And that would be the same with, with Get Back. I mean, what they were trying to do, they didn't pull off. They don't pull off. Like the idea of they're going to, they're going to rehearse in two weeks or some insane amount of time and do a live show. All new songs. It, they don't do it. They don't do it. You know, like spoilers. They failed that that part of it. It's still it's still great. What they did was great, but what they wanted to do and what they ended up doing are f- slightly different than what the original. See, also were. Apocalypse Now as like that yeah. was not what they wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, Heart, yeah. Hearts of Darkness will deal with that too. Yeah, and so it's almost more interesting to see how people react to to failure than they how they react to success because it's easy to be a success. I, you know, I don't mean it's easy to get there, but it's, once you're a success, it's easy. But how do you deal with something that's falling apart in front of your eyes? Like, how do you deal with that? Like, can you recover? Can you you know, find the inner resources to push through this and come on the other side with something. And I, that's more interesting, I think, to, to me anyway. I think that's one of the things I I, I consider myself lucky about. I, I mean... The failure of Sneaky Dragon. If, yeah, yeah. Uh, every every week. Every I, feel, week. <laughs> I feel stronger every time. <laughs> we do it um, yeah. But no, uh, by, doing, by doing improv and, uh, you know, uh, when, when you sort of start off, you get like a, a, a you know as a as a rookie you would get to do like maybe I don't know four scenes mm. and then uh, the main show would come up yeah. and it was like oh it's so hard oh it didn't work ah uh, you beat yourself up and yeah, you just yeah, feel yeah. shit yeah but like when you're actually doing a full show you do so many scenes yeah. that you can't care about them all mm-hmm. you're just so overwhelmed that you yeah. just have to keep doing more and more and more and you remember the worst and you remember the best and all the rest just fall away to the to the wayside and so you get used to failure you know failure just becomes like a, a common thing so yeah. yeah who cares and if it's that common it's not failure yeah and and it's process really not to not to be too much about the beatles but like when when uh they were talking about how they performed like eight hours a night in uh, you know in germany yeah in hamburg and yeah. in, in hamburg and uh and my wife was going oh my god eight hours and i was like yeah yeah that's that's the show. You got to just perform for that amount of time, but you can't be precious. Yeah, and you got to fuck around at some point. Sure. And then, uh, but yeah, of course. And and by the way, there's probably not much else to do in Hamburg besides <laughs> do the thing because you don't probably speak the language very well. Yeah. And your whole thing is like, we got to just get really, really good and keep getting good. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. It's uh, you just it, it's just this pressure cooker of like. Yeah. Mm. And we need more songs because we yeah. need to fill eight hours with songs. It makes you the most you that you are, and I think that's what I get like with improv. Is you know if if you're in any way artistically minded and, and want to grow mm-hmm. it makes you the most you that you are because you keep constantly trying new things you get what works you get what doesn't work throw it out take this build this up keep going some people will just go this works i'm going to keep doing the same thing over and over again mm-hmm. and i think that's probably the same thing with music too it's like oh this works stay the course keep it going keep yeah. it going. i was thinking about that with I was thinking about Reacher for some reason the other. I guess because it's it, being remade. It's now. being remade. It's coming out in uh, February next year. Yeah, I yeah. looked it up because uh, Lisa was in Canada. It's called Reacher for the Topper, which is uh, <laughs> the guy's really good at high school uh, yeah. quiz shows. Yeah, that's right. Which is sort of a play on the movie Topper. There you go. That's See, right. both the those sequel. jokes yeah. are mid-range. We're not going to remember them at all. They're not good enough to remember. They're not bad enough to remember. Out they go. So yeah. There are no fruit loots. But I was just thinking, like, <laughs> there's no fruit. Do you say fruit? There are no fruit loots. That was a good joke. There you go. You remember it for that reason. <laughs> That's a good joke. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad you remember that joke. Yeah. I appreciate it too. Um, 
Well, if only those days would return when I made good jokes. Uh, the, I was gonna say, so I was thinking about Reacher and I was thinking it would be good like to create a character like that where you have the successful like book that you... And I was thinking, but then you have to write a book a year with the same character in it every year. And if you didn't do that, people would get mad at you because they'd be like, well, where's the new Reacher book? My favorite character. I want to have another adventure with this big gigantic lout who beats people up. And then you're like, oh, I got to write another. Because apparently that... Um, then you're Sue Grafton. And then you're Sue Grafton, and then you're so many people, yeah. A is for alibi. B is for whatever. She almost made it to the end. Almost did, yep. Almost made it. Uh, and then where would she go? The Greek alphabet? <laughs> I'm sure she didn't even know she was going to uh, make it that far. But apparently that's why the, the, the original author of Reacher, he's actually retired from writing the stories. And when asked why, he said, I don't like the character. Oh, okay. I don't, like, I don't like him, and I don't like writing him. Okay. Everyone's like, oh, okay, that's fine, fair enough. That's interesting, though, that a character becomes that alive to you. You feel, you feel like you want to say that to George R.R. R. Martin and just go like, hey, buddy, yeah. if you don't want to write this, yeah. it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to finish it's it. It's yeah. really fine. Yeah. Everyone's, 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 yeah. No, not everyone's cool. People will be pissed off. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but, listen, you got to live your life. Sure. Don't, don't, it's all right. You think it'd be easy now. Just write exactly the opposite of what the TV writers did for the show, mm-hmm. for their final book. Just don't follow that path at all. Yeah, it's a, it's a wisecracking dragon. It's just <laughs> hanging out with Bran and they're solving mysteries. I have no idea what, yeah. uh, who any of that is, but okay. I never saw it. Yeah, you know what a wisecracking dragon is. Though. I guess I do. I guess I know what a wisecracking dragon is. You're right. Yeah, that's what it should be. A, a pun-making, wisecracking, good-time dragon, and... Uh, no, uh, no sexual assault. No, I recommend that for your your, your book, George R. R. Martin. Yeah, I really feel I, not I necessary. Mean, I feel for the guy that he's like so in deep into it now that like, what do you do? What do you do? Yeah, just you know what you do is just say, look, I'm, uh, fake your own death, and then uh, <laughs> shave the beard, and then who'll know? No one will know. Stop wearing the hat. Yeah, who'll know that it's you? But he won't be able to keep making uh, comments on football games. Mm, that's fair enough. Yeah. People Did, people actually care about his opinion on football games. I wonder if he could buy a football team if he's got enough money. I don't know. They're pretty pretty expensive. Like that. There's a lot of you know, value there. You know who doesn't look like he's got a lot of money? But, but does? he's obviously got a lot of money. Okay. Um, who has a lot of money but doesn't look like he has a lot of money? But he's got to have a lot of money. Like a lot of money. Like a lot of money. Steven and Spielberg? I'm, I'm going to say Stephen King. Oh, Stephen King. Yeah. Like it just must be... Just like a like, just the money truck must come up every day. Just dump a bunch in the yeah, house, yeah. and then off you go. Because just like the past books, yeah. Like by this point, the residuals just from like past sales and, and the, you're not even count like something like, like you know the Dark are. Tower movie. Okay, that's a big bomb. That yeah. doesn't matter. You get paid up front. No, he got paid up front. Yeah, he got paid up front. There's your dough. Although maybe he gets a point. You know, Doctor Sleep. Yeah, that didn't do great, but you still got paid for. I mean, this is just the normal normals. There you go. And, and yet you see the guy and just go like, yeah, he doesn't look like he's spending on anything. That reminds me, I'm going to see that next week. Dr. Sleep? Yeah. Yeah. They're playing it at the Rio. They're doing a Shining. And he's going to get some money off of that. They're doing a Shining Doc, uh, Dr. Sleep uh, double bill. I wonder if they're just going to be showing the Shining that was the TV movie instead. <laughs> no. That would be a treat, But eh? the director, Mike Flanagan, is going to be there. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And I really, I thought Dr. Sleep was okay, but I like Midnight Mass so much that I want to go, <laughs> I want to go see him talk. Sure. And Oculus is great, too. But uh, I thought Dr. Sleep was fine. Yeah, it was, it was fine. fine. It was fine. It was fine. It was a little too much, uh, you know, uh, uh, torturing the kid. 
I thought, you know. That's what it's about. So I get that that's what you know it's what, about. But you go like, to see a movie where it's about torturing kids and they do it in the movie. I mean, it's not explicit. And I thought that Jacob Tremblay really did a good job selling it. Like, mm-hmm. He did a really good job acting the tortured kid. Like he did like a really yeah. good just for me, so it's just dark. like, I don't know how much tortured kid I want to see, like, in a... Uh, I was hoping there'd be an extended now. cut. There is apparently a director's cut of it. Okay. That's uh, better. Why don't they show that then next week? That's what I'm hoping it's going to oh, be. Okay, I'm right. hoping that that's what they'll be having. Because they have the director there. I hope they play the director's cut. That'd be weird if they didn't. Well, just ask him if he could just act out the scenes then. <laughs> could you please read from your script? Uh, yeah. That'd be great. Kevin Smith would do it. That'd be great. By the way, here was something uh, I was talking about with my wife the other day. And uh, and uh, we kind of came up. Let's across. not get too personal. Okay, it was it was about you. Oh, I'm all I'm all ears. No, no, wasn't. That's what we said. <laughs> Dave's all you ears. Notice as he gets older, like he's uh, more old ears. And I was like, everyone gets that way. Like, like my dad. You've got fine just like my dad. No, no, you got fine. You got fine ears. Um, I like I like Kevin Smith. Uh, fine, I like him fine. Uh, but we were talking about uh, how uh, you well, know. Clerks is good. What's that? Clerks is good. Yeah. Yeah, Clerks is good. Um, we we're talking about like uh, Wes Anderson, and uh, we we're talking about uh, how like oh, that's my wife's uh, favorite uh, director, and uh, mine probably is Edgar Wright, and and they're both very stylized. Yeah, but uh, Kevin Smith is also very stylized. I'm sure. like, well, what's what's the real difference to me between like a, Ke- a Kevin Smith movie and say a Wes Anderson movie or an Edgar Wright? Because they all have a certain amount of uh, like, especially Wes Anderson. There's nostalgia. There's there's stuff like that in there, and Kevin Smith definitely has a lot of nostalgia in what he does. And I think I think what it came down to was was this was uh, Kevin. Smith, they all are passionate about movies and stuff they they like and things that they they like. Mm-hmm. But I think like Kevin Smith wants to tell you about the things that he likes. And he's going to tell you about them. And maybe even to the point of like a character will just talk about the thing in the film. Yeah. Whereas, say, Wes Anderson really loves uh, old New Yorker articles. He he is not going to do old New Yorker articles, but he's going to do a film that will show you why he likes old New Yorker articles. Yeah. Or like Edgar Wright likes zombie movies. And he's now going to show you here. Yeah. But, but he, through their own methods and yeah. through their own style, but sure. they will not duplicate the things that they like they will show you the reasons they like them and then that took us down the path of oh yeah that's like spielberg like the old movie serials mm-hmm. and when he did raiders of the lost ark it was like i want you to feel like i felt watching those but i'm not going to duplicate them i'm going to take elements that i like from and try and project the feeling of it through and i think that's what makes a really good director and a really good artist is someone who can show you how a thing that they love makes them feel and 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 translate it through to you whereas i think like a kevin smith will just say the thing out loud to you well that i would say that's the problem with all kevin smith films is he's not a he's not a visual artist he's 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 a storyteller so he likes his characters talk through the movie and they talk, they tell you everything mm-hmm. you know whereas both anderson and wright are visual artists so they they their movies are full of visual storytelling and visual, right. you know visual effects and not i don't mean like special effects but you know it's ways of telling the stories that are not just people going i like peanut butter you know yeah so th- he likes peanut butter you can tell that because he has some peanut butter in the corner of his mouth or whatever there's something something visual they'll do to 
to create, you know, to give you a sense of a person's character or to tell you the story. Yeah, Grand Budapest, you know, is definitely uh, it's people fighting uh, Nazis or the equivalent of Nazis. Sure, yeah, yeah. But we're not going to show you Nazis. No, we're just going to show it to you in this way. Yeah, we're going to exaggerate. You're going to understand what it is. You're going to yeah. understand. The... You're going to feel. You're going to feel what it is. You will understand, but mm-hmm. you will especially feel what it is. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, that's the harder trick to pull off mm-hmm. for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. When you watch a movie like, well, another great film where. You know, everything is carefully, all the images are carefully doubled or put together in some yeah. ways that they twin each other set or they, up, they'll off, connect up, to each other. You know, there'll be a fence scene early on. There'll be a payoff of the fence scene later on. You know, it's all carefully balanced how he does his films, you know, but he doesn't tell you about these things. He shows you these things so that they pay off visually later on. Not and you would think a, that that would make the films uh, sterile. Because, you know, where in there then do you get room for heart? And yet something like a hot fuzz, there's, there is like, mm-hmm. uh, like a direct point break yeah, yeah. copy scene that's in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he shows you what you like about like a car chase scene, you know, yeah, yeah. and, but you sure, also sure. really do care about their relationship. Well, yeah, but that's because you care about things you see, not things you hear about. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone tells you how much they like someone, it's not that affecting. But if you see how much someone likes someone, if you see them, you know, you, if you see their emotional journey, or if you see them, you know, that's something you care about because you can see it and it affects you. But if someone just tells you, I really like dogs, that doesn't mean anything to you. But if you saw a person with a dog in their arms carrying that dog around, then you'd say, oh, that guy really likes dogs. And you yeah. know that he likes that dog. And if something happened to that dog, you'd feel really bad for that person. But if they just say, I really like dogs, but my, my dog got killed yesterday, you're like, oh, that's too bad. But you're not going to be super emotionally affected by it, you know. And Wes Anderson will kill an animal. <laughs> he will kill an animal. And, and to a point where it's sh- <laughs> like they, both of these, both of these directors also will shock you mm-hmm. at times. Yeah, yeah. You know, even though it looks like, you know, they're so uh, precious uh, to a degree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, you know, uh, Edgar Wright will uh, drop uh, something on someone's head so it becomes a blood fountain. More, which, more terrible is... Um, uh, Dalton falling on the uh, church steeple yeah. in the miniature village. That is, it disturbs me yet forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I it's so visceral. It. It's I like, stand yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, you think like at yeah. that point, you've seen a gusher of blood coming out of a person's <laughs> yeah. head. You saw a decapitated yeah, yeah. head. Yeah. You've seen all these horrible things. Like, mm-hmm. well, what else could be? How about this little small thing? Oh! <laughs> yeah. It hurts. Yes, it hurts to look at. Uh, no. yeah. But yeah, whereas. You know, I do, like I say, I like, I like Clerks because Clerks falls into that 90s film category of the, of the blabby film. Yeah. Which is fine, you know, the, the slacker or the whatever. But even slacker is more visual than, than what Clerks is. You know, like slacker has stuff going on in the background that if you don't pay attention to things happening in the background of scenes, then you're missing the payoff to a lot of the scenes in the movie. You know? Yeah. So it has both lots of talking, but also visual elements that are, that are paying off things that are set up during during all the monologuing and you know but whereas clerks is all just there it's just right it's just laying right there for you you know like yeah. their their argument about what uh, the star wars you know the death star workers and stuff like that well they'll have no payoff it's just that one scene and that's it move yeah. on move on from there and though he's fallen on disfavor uh as of late uh joss whedon i think uh was able to communicate what was what was good about like Marvel comics, mm-hmm. you know, the sense of humor, the camaraderie, sure. the, the goofiness, yeah. the over the top action, the, quip, the quippiness of the, of the, them. the quippiness. Yeah. yeah. Everyone in a Marvel comics in the sixties that's, you know, is joking around yeah. 
constantly. Sure, that's part of the fun. Uh, of them, so yeah. how do you do that and not make it just look ridiculous? Yeah. And he was able to pull it off. And you mm-hmm. look at something like, especially the original Avengers movie, and go like, yeah, you're. This was the feel. This yeah. was the feel of what those comics were like, yeah. but done through you know uh, your style and mm-hmm. your way. Yeah. And uh, and you know to the point where it got so imitated that people got sick of it and went like, oh, <laughs> like to the point now where you know there's things like Cowboy Bebop and people are like, oh, it's just like so Joss Whedon-y the dialogue. It's like, no, it's it's just kind of corny dialogue. I get where you're saying this. Yeah. But yeah, the copy of a copy of a copy of a copy is going to annoy you yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know what I was going to say. I was trying that to think of fine. I was trying to think of a different a different uh, example, but I can't think of one. So there you go. Well, I mean, something like I'm I dumb. mean, you're a big Jane Austen fan. And so, you know, how, I do am. The, how do the books make you feel? Is there someone who has directed a Jane Austen movie that has captured the way the books make them feel, but in movie form and not just try to recreate what the books are? Because I think that is yeah. uh, for a me, classic mistake. For me, it's the Joe Wright version with Keira Knightley. Okay. Which I don't think is... So, sorry, what was that film? Pride and Prejudice? Uh, Pride and Prejudice, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And I feel like that, yeah. I do... I do like a lot of the Emma Thompson Pride and or Sense and Sensibility. I'm not a huge fan of uh, Hugh Grant's performance in the film. Mm-hmm. I don't quite know what he's doing. <laughs> he's imitating uh, Mr. Turtle from The Master of Disguise through most of the film, it seems. But uh, I think we're all imitating Mr. Turtle well, to a degree. To a degree, <laughs> it's, it's Mr. Turtle's all the way down, as everyone knows. But I I really like the emotional elements of of the um, the Joe Wright version of of uh, Pride and Prejudice. There's parts of it that are too truncated, but I feel like the actors, and I can see why people might not like Mr. Darcy because he's not he's not quite as uh, he's not quite as as uh, like Colin Firth and Laurence Olivier play him in, in a kind of sharp way, and he's not a, he's not sharp the way they play him, the guy who acts him. But I really like the emotional elements. The I just like the way it's filmed. I think it really pays off. Like the the party sequence is like it's a oneer, so the camera is constantly roaming. Mm. Uh, through a very choreographed scene, uh, set of scenes, but it's very effective because it's all happening before your eyes, and so all the payoffs are happening before your eyes. There's no like cuts to things, so it feels very real and very lived in the way he's filmed it, and it really works really well. Uh, so I like that. I think that's a very uh, good film. None of them are perfect. No, there's no perfect Pride and Prejudice. Everyone, they all have some good elements, and they all have bad elements to them. Uh, yeah, one of these days we'll talk about it. And I think the best version will be an anime some point in the future. <laughs> oh, I had uh, I had manga versions of Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility, and they got destroyed. Oh. They got destroyed in the flood. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Too bad. So if you got any spares, send them Dave's way. <laughs> you, were, you were mentioning um, uh, somehow we got a turtle man. Uh, <laughs> this is just a real quick thing. and then Well, Mr. You know, turtle. But Mr. Yeah. Turtle. Sorry about that. Yeah. Not to be confused with turtle man. Not to be uh, confused with Yertle the turtle. I would just Dana Carvey is an odd... Uh, a bloke to me in that Dana Dana Carvey uh, is very similar in many ways mm-hmm. to say Martin Short, you know, yeah. just like kind of an odd caricature, like sorry, character guy. Yeah, you know, very good on Saturday Night Live, very good on and Mar- uh, Martin Short even more so on SCTV. Yeah, uh, really giver uh, performances. Dana yeah. Carvey's TV show was 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 quite good, but you know, for various reasons, it didn't. Kind of, why do you think? Uh, I, my feel, I'll state my feelings. My feeling is Martin Short, uh, just seeing him in, uh, Only Murders in the Building. Yeah. It's just like, 
there's just a real love people have for Martin Short. He's just really charming, mm-hmm. even though he goes like too far sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like, oh, that's a bit, mu- that's yeah, a yeah. bit much. But you're still like, ah. Oh. <laughs> and uh, and then you see Dana Carvey and go, hmm, hmm. yeah. <laughs> there's just something there that's not there that's in the Martin Short. And like, yeah, why why is? I mean, of course, they're both their own people. Yeah. But uh, but Dana Carvey just feels like he just keeps missing the bus over and over again. It's just, you know, people like him. It's nice yeah. to see yeah. him. They got good memories of him. They liked him in Wayne's World. They liked him on Saturday Night Live. But it's just like, yeah, no, yeah, just not quite not quite there. Not, hmm. Whereas, you know, might have been one of the best uh, Saturday Night Live performers ever. Sure. And couldn't, couldn't do what Mike Myers did, which was to kind of spin off his characters into something that worked in the in movies right but even mike myers you know i mean he did well with wayne he did well with, with austin powers yeah and that's about it right well yeah but i mean that's and then it's just then it's just like crazy over the top yeah oddball yeah. I th- and even even him isn't as beloved yeah yeah as like no, say, no, 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 uh, no. martin short where you're just like hey there's martin short sure yeah he's in father of the bride yeah he's got that kind of thing yeah. where like when you if you see rick moranis in something you're just like oh man it's rick moranis yeah Oh man, I love Rick Moranis. Don't you love Rick Moranis? Yeah. How about uh, how about Dana Carvey? Yeah, he's good. He's fine. He's good for Dana Carvey. Yeah, no, it's weird. I was there's a movie with Martin Short. I think it's called Pure Luck with uh, Danny Glover and Martin Short. Do you know that one? I think so. I've probably seen it if it was like in the 80s or 90s. Yeah, he gets like a bee stung. I think in it and is all like it's. Anyway, I am sure I've seen. It. I'm sure there's you have. no way I haven't. I seen really it. like it. I really like that yeah. movie. It's nothing. It's a nothing film. It's it's basically yeah. two actors just having fun in a movie. I also really, really like Clifford. I know I'm, I'm alone in that, in that sure. practically on the whole earth, but Charles Grodin and Martin Short in a movie together, like. But aside aside from like Inner Space, Martin Short really hasn't had any lead movies where. No, no, and he shouldn't. Is that the thing? That's the thing. He where should maybe not. Maybe the problem was they were giving Dana Carvey a bunch of lead movies. He too, yeah, like, he should not be a lead actor. He's a character actor. Yeah, and so he should be bolstering someone else's performance. That's why he's good in Wayne's World because he's not Wayne. He's Garth. Yeah, that's what he's good at. He's good as Garth. He's good at backing up. Mike Myers, that works really well for him. And when he becomes Master of Disguise, it's not so great because there's nothing there. It's kind of like Peter Sellers. Mm-hmm. Like that's what people said about Peter Sellers, is that there was nothing there. You know, he was a, he was a good actor. Did, have you seen the part where he appears in Get Back? Peter Sellers Peter drops Sellers? No. Okay. No, I'm halfway through the first episode. Okay. So, um, Our first segment. He, isn't, he does appear in that, so you just haven't got there yet. But, okay. But, yeah, there's, you know, like people say about Peter Sellers is, you know, like a good, great actor... But not nothing there, you know. And so, what where he's best is performing like in sort of an ensemble situation. I think, and I think of the Pink Panther films as ensemble because you have to have Herbert Lom in those movies. Otherwise, they're not they're nowhere near as good mm. as they would have been with just Peter Sellers by himself. Like you have to have Inspector Dreyfus in them, and that makes that's what makes them worse. You have to have you have to have Cato in them. Otherwise, what's the point of these films, right? Like they just work as a as a as a group of people working together. Mm-hmm. And and I think you know the same with. Uh, I think with the same with Dana Carvey, like there's just there's nothing there outside of that he's a funny person. But you put him with Robert Smigel and Stephen Carell and Stephen Colbert and Louis C.K. And, yeah, and then you that's a great cast, isn't it? That's a pretty stellar cast of people yeah. right there. A lot of funny people uh, that to support what you do, you know. And, and you you and then he does what he did in Sunday Live, which is fit into an ensemble cast, and occasionally have his his little star moments as the church lady or whatever. But most of other times he's playing within, within a group of people and, and fitting in really well. And, and he's smart enough as an actor in those situations to not, to not do a Martin short and not 
ham it up in turn you know try and grab all the attention it's a real because martin Short has that little bit to himself where he yeah. really really wants the attention you know but he's super funny too i think martin short is there's more to martin short than there is to uh to dina carvey though. i think i think martin short is willing to take a greater risks That's yeah possible. like yeah. when i see him do and it's not my favorite thing in the world but the jimmy glick uh stuff yeah. but when i see him, I like it a lot but, but yeah. when when i see him doing just interacting with, and yeah. I, I know they're edited to the point where it's just going to be the, yeah. the hilarious stuff. Yeah. But it's just like, this is really good. Yeah. Like, he's really going places and surprising, you know, the the other person. Oh, and yeah. Going, they don't, too, going too far. They don't know. Like, you know, the one with shoving like, shoving like eight donuts in his mouth just to, <laughs> just for the laugh. Just like, what the? <laughs> what was the one with Mel Brooks when he said, I can't remember what he said oh, to Mel Oh, yeah, Brooks. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, What's what's your beef with the Nazis? <laughs> and of course, it's always putting down the Nazis. <laughs> Chris Melbrooks had no idea this was coming. Yeah, it's, just, it's great. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I first saw, and, and I love it because Mel Brooks is like recognize is enjoying being in the moment, mm-hmm. but he's also recognizing this is good comedy. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. knows he's in good comedy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, but it's both things at once, and it's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just delighted. In my head, like, I remember watching Jiminy Glick at Lisa's mom and dad's place, because they would often watch afternoon television. And in my mind, he was on another show, and that was like a segment of a it show. It was. It was the Martin Short show. It was the Martin Short yeah, show. Yeah, he hosted, he hosted his own talk show, and okay, then they okay. would do Jiminy Glick segments on it. That was when it was best to me, because it, was, it wasn't just by itself or a whole bunch of them in a row. Yeah. It was just one segment in a, in a show that was more kind of warm-hearted. So this one little bit of meanness really kind of fell in a good place in that show and i really enjoyed that i didn't really enjoy it when they tried to like branch it off into its own thing and it was all jiminy glick and no it wasn't quite as good to me i think i think the other thing is saturday night live is very different than sctv and so their backgrounds are different in that you know you live and die sketch to sketch Mm -hmm. and you know and all the goodwill you built up in this sketch is gone by the next sketch (laughs) and if it's if the next one starts weak it's gonna die yeah whereas sctv there was a lot more heart to it. And you'd get these bizarre characters and then Ed Grimley would like be involved in some long plot that they do for a whole yeah, episode yeah, yeah. about like cabbages taking over. Yeah, yeah. And you know, he's really scared about something. Yeah, he's yeah. legitimately playing it like he's scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas like on, on on Saturday Night Live when he does Ed Grimley, it's just, you know It's just a bit. It's just a bit. It's, yeah, yeah. you know, it's four minutes of That's what I was gonna him say. bouncing like, around and Yeah, Saturday Night Live you had them doing sketches, but you also had them creating characters that felt real like johnny larue and yeah and, and, and supporting each other on that yeah, like, yeah. so ed grimley would do something with guy caballero or edith prickley <laughs> yeah and they'd be building on each other whereas it felt like on sctv uh or saturday night live i'm oh, sorry saturday night live yeah. uh they'd be just trying to get the most laughs possible and seldom you know doing teamwork and that's that's problematic because if you're both competing against each other for laughs you're kind of canceling each other unless right? of course you're one of the many many sketches that begins with and joining me as always is and then you know you're doing the twofer yeah you know like a wayne's world or something sure, like that, that can work yeah 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 and yeah. with me as always that's that's what they, <laughs> they say often on that show yeah it's just something i was i was thinking about I was like where's yeah, yeah where is he where what, what what makes martin short like just give that the little extra depth you know that uh that say uh you know a dana carvey it doesn't have. sure but also the willingness to to do to be the the guy in Father of the Bride, and he's not Father of the Bride. He's just the marriage. He's just the marriage planner, yeah. or whatever he is in that in that movie. Or he's in the big picture as the agent. Yeah, you know, I you don't know. know you. I've never heard of you, but yeah. I love everything you do. Yeah, he's really good as the dentist in uh, th- that uh, 
what is that movie called now? Shoot. It's a Paul Thomas Anderson film with, with uh, Joaquin Phoenix where he plays the detective. Oh, okay. Um, it's a really great kind of takeoff on a 70s uh, kind of stumble bum detective movie mm-hmm. called Everyone, you, you're all telling me what it's called. I know. I know. Thank you. Thank you. I wish I could hear you. But anyway, it's a very good film. It's a more of a, it's a very, it's a kind of a stoner comedy almost. Like it's just like this really like true to, true to every feeling of the seventies kind of movie of, you know. It's not inherent vice. That's the one. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. That's a very good film. I think I love that movie. And, uh, but Martin Short's really good in it as a doc, as a dentist. I haven't seen it. Yeah. He's a dentist in the film and a very sleazy dentist, (laughs) but very good. He's good in the role. Yeah. I like that movie. And, uh. It has um, it has a singer uh, Joanna Newsom in the film, and and she's really good. And I think she's a ghost in the movie. It doesn't say she is, but I feel like she's there as like an unseen character to other okay. other characters in the movie. Right, well, I've always had the the theory that uh, Winston in the original Ghostbusters was a ghost as well. So ah, yeah, yeah. that no one else could see only only. No, I think because other people can see ghosts. Oh, okay. But Winston shows up out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, uh, when all the ghosts are showing up. Yeah. And and they just hire him off the street for it's it's weird. Mm-hmm. It's just like like well why did they just hire him? Was yeah. no one else here? Or what happened? I just felt yeah. like they know he's a ghost, and so Egon's <laughs> like, let's just hire him, and <clears throat> we'll see what. And I don't yeah. think that he knows he's a ghost. Okay. And then you just keep going. This is the first version of the sixth sense, I guess. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I thought that would uh, give him an interesting little bit of depth. Like, well, what's this character? Well, when's he show up? Hmm. Okay. I I need to watch the movie again, but I feel like there's a scene in Inherent Vice where Joaquin Phoenix is driving with this Joanna Newsom character to, they're in the car together and then he gets to the place he's going to and she's not there. And you're like, well, wasn't he just talking to her? Like, he didn't stop. They don't ah. show him stop anywhere unless they just kind of cut that out for whatever reason. But yeah. this feels really That'd be an interesting thing in a movie is uh, is to go through various movies and just go like, who might be a ghost? <laughs> Who's a character that the other character yeah, is yeah. the only one who talks to this character? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, I was thinking like in uh, Home Alone, not Home Alone, in uh, Home Improvement, mm. the Tim Allen show, he's got a neighbor who like looks over the fence and That's gives right. him advice. Wilson. Wilson. I'm just yeah. like, what if Wilson's dead? What if uh, what <laughs> if ghost. what if he's just a ghost that yeah, yeah. Uh, he talks to and there's uh, a thing and uh, it could be yeah. Does anyone else see uh, see see Wilson ever? Maybe maybe they do. I didn't watch a lot of that show. <laughs> Me neither. So um, they probably they probably started off as the usual thing with those sort of characters, kind of like uh, Alan uh, guy on uh, Dick Van Dyke show. Yes, Ellen, Alan Brady. Alan Brady. Where it starts off like as a perfect idea, like you never see his face, and then eventually they have to show his face, and then then there's too much of the character in the show, and you're kind of like, ugh, it's too much of this character. Then he becomes a cartoon later. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. this is too much of it. He did become a cartoon. There was an Alan Brady cartoon. And I think probably the same thing happened with Wilson. At first, it's like a clever idea that you never see his face, and then eventually it starts to build, and then it was always a gag of why you couldn't see the lower half of his face. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the thing. That's one of those things that you just go, you're in a sitcom. Hey, there's a character we never see. It would be nice to do that. And then there's one episode, have uh, have them just walk in and just like, yeah, I was just in the other room. Why? Oh, it's just a, no, it's no reason. Yeah. Just, hi, oh, you're Carlton, your doorman, huh? Yeah. <laughs> what? Why wouldn't I come up here? Uh, no reason. Sure. Oh. Hmm. All right. Just leaves. I just want to, I just, okay. I w- uh, my brother-in-law told me that this, around this time of the show, we should go to t- the top five songs. Okay. That's what he said. This is his opinion from listening to the... But anyway. Um, Even though we didn't have that in uh, the first two No, episodes. the first shows. But when he listened to the more recent one, 
Did he, in the, when he was listening to the first shows, go, I wish he had top five songs just to... Well, what he said was what we were really missing was uh, a weird uh, week, bi-weekly description of a vampire soap opera. He thought the show was totally missing that. He was I wish, wish you guys had thought of that at the beginning. I'm just like, honest to God, we're probably going to be doing this in about five years still. Yeah, okay. okay? Yeah. I'm just going to say. Yeah. We're going to be doing this in, in, in five years. Sure. And I'm going to either be in a much better house or a much worse house. <laughs> okay. Or something. Yeah. Uh, or, or we're just going to have lots of stuff on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um what the hell is that show going to be like? What are we going to be? What What's the weird ass segment? Like, like, will you be learning circus tricks at that point? Who knows? What's going on? Who knows? Something will happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Happening. It'll be yeah. something. We'll have to like come up with a song a week or something. We'll do mm. something. Make up our own songs. We'll be yeah. We'll be Beatlesing it. <laughs> we'll be doing sure. the podcast on the roof. Why not? Okay. Fair enough. Oh, have you? By the way, have you seen the Paul F. Tompkins as the guy in the car reacting to uh, the Beatles performing on the roof? <laughs> no, no, that's great. He just says a series of characters. All right, that's great. Right, I'm just gonna, I'm just that's gonna cool. write that down for myself to to show to you. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, reacting. Uh, that's uh, quite nice. Oh, and I want to also say before we get to that, and when you're talking about people walking out of a musical, yeah, I thought like it'd be really, really artsy, fucking fartsy, and fun. Is to have a musical that's bad. Yeah. And then, like, as people walk out, yeah. and you just go to them, do you want to see the real musical? It's just for people that walked out of this yeah, musical. Yeah. And then you and then you, and then you take them to the other room, and it's walk out the musical. And it's just, like, the good <laughs> musical, but just for people who walked out. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. So, um, on on episodes where Dave uh, is hosting... Oh, I just want to say one thing before oh, we get to this, the okay. music, though. I, the, I know my brother-in-law recommended it. gummy candies while you talk. But uh, I've been watching... Um, all creatures, know. all creatures, great and small. I mentioned it already mm-hmm. that I've been watching the the original, original shows from 1978. And one thing that I thought I find really interesting is that they actually have the actors putting their arms up animals' butt, bums, like they're actually doing like veterinarian things on the show. Like mm-hmm. it's just weird. Like they're pulling their arm out and it's like coming out of a butt, and you're just like, okay, you really, really giving it all for this part. Wow. It's crazy. Like, there's an episode where Peter Davidson is like, he's pl- he's playing it up. He's playing it up. Like, for, he wants to get a he wants to get he wants to get a drink from the from the farmer. Mm-hmm. So he's playing up how painful the you know the the paroxysms of the you know the yeah. the, 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 the the whatever you call it convulsions whatever the of the the cows uh, behind is and he's like, but his arms in the inside. It's clearly inside. It's just crazy. And then there was a, another episode recently you where don't they think they built a fake ass. No. Okay. I don't think so. Would it make sense to build a fake ass? You know what? I would think so too, First, but it's clearly one, not. I would think it's clearly they would not. all be different. Like they would all be like the same enough, butt wise, mm-hmm. that it would just make so much more sense to build a fake ass. If you saw it, you would say no, it's not fake. Yeah. And there was one recently where they they actually like pull a calf out of the out of a out of a like a pregnant cow, like a cow that's having a baby, and in the show the the cow is quite. Oh, what was also really good about it though. Two things are good about it. One, that's crazy that they actually like have like a rope yeah. tied around a calf inside a inside the cow and they pull it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. But also, Wilfred Bramble from which we all know as Paul's grandfather. I think that was his name from Wilfred. Hard Day's Night. Oh, okay. Brimble, yeah, yeah, Bramble, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. his name is. Yeah, yeah. from uh, Steptoe and Son. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, he's in this episode and he keeps telling uh, James Harriet that. This other vet is way better than him. He's like, oh, Mr. So-and-so is, is the, he would have that done by now, you know, and all this stuff. They keep saying this over and over again. He's just so annoying and so great. He's such a brat. But it's, honestly, it's a okay, great episode. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm now thinking like, yeah. like I'm, I would like to look this up Yeah. because yeah. I'm really going to guess that it's a stunt, a stunt uh, butt. 
because, because. Beca- just because, yeah. say you're going to do a shoot. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, so what do we do? We are going to wait around and hopefully this cow is going to give birth yeah. uh, tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're just going to hope for the best. Yeah. And then we're going to have to get it in one shot because we're not putting the cow back up there. Oh, no. There. This is real. This is the real calf. It no, comes I got, out. no, I got gotcha. you. I okay. got gotcha. you. Okay. I'm just saying like, I'm sure it's a baby calf, but I'm not sure like the baby calf is like being, like it's being born at that second. So what do they do? They just wait in the barn and just like hope that that night no, is the I night? I have no idea how, like, the how they did it. Like how do you shoot that? I have no idea how they did it because it's, I mean, it's, it's real. Like you're watching it You happen. got one shot. You literally have one yeah. shot to do this. Yeah. And I'm just trying to think the logistics of yeah. you have a film I think, crew. But, but yeah, but do you not like, so you're going to edit in a way like the act, all the actors don't have to be there for it though, right? Oh, of course they couldn't. So yeah, yeah you like it, there is some like, there are some, when you're watching and you're going like, oh, this looks like it's a bit of a different time than, yeah, than yeah, the yeah. darkness of the Like of I can the see barn. them have actually like a yeah. camera in the barn yeah. and like, okay, when this happens, yeah, yeah. start shooting. I don't think, yeah, but I'm, it's different when they're putting the hands and stuff inside that, that okay. they can do that any old time. But yeah, well, this is obviously a specific event. Can you do it any old time? Can, can you just go up to an animal and like stick your hand up there? And it's like, you know what? It's used to it. It's a living. It's a living. Yeah. It's just crazy. Like, I'm just like, wow, actors were tough. Like, those guys are really giving them all. I got, did they like reward them before they got the role? Okay, you're going to, Play James Harriet. Like, oh, that sounds great. Um, now, first thing is, uh, maybe we should point this out to you before you start. You're going to have to put your hand in, in an animal's butt. Like, yeah, put, and more. There. What's that? And more. And cause, more. Because yeah. animals don't come out of the butt. That's the thing, <laughs> thing number one is a vet you should know. <laughs> well, I guess that's it. I guess wherever they're putting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah to feel like. Because, yeah, they're going up there and they're like trying to yeah. get the calf to turn around because they're breech births and all those sort of things. Yeah. That's fascinating. Like, uh, the amount of seemingly real things that they're doing like it feels like you'd have to like you would just have to have a vet that's like first of all the vet would have to be like right there for for all of it there's two there's wrong. two veterinarian consultants so i imagine they're there for, yeah. behind the but camera like, for sure they would like would you run the sound because like would it would make sense then to have the vet just going okay i'm gonna pull it out now now here we go Nice and easy. Yeah, that's here a, we go. Yeah, like and then just overdub it. You're just thinking about later. the you're just thinking about the birth, right? Dub, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did some some tricks and okay. stuff. Okay, like yeah. No, I want to know. I want to know more about this. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. Okay, it is. It's amazing. Yeah. to watch. Yeah, yeah, and also that Wilfred, what's his name, is uh, is great. Now, where I can see they would go with it mm-hmm. is we could either spend a lot of money building a fake uh, cow rear end, yeah, fake butt, or use a real one. What's cheaper? Mm-hmm. And uh, back in those days, cheaper is the butt. Cheaper, <laughs> the real butt. There's no, there's no Peta going. I don't want Pete Davidson, uh, not Peter Davidson, but uh, what's his name? Peter Davidson's part does it as well as Christopher Timothy, the guy who plays James. Who's, the, who's the guy on Saturday Night Live now? Is he also Pete Davidson? I guess so. There's two Pete Davidsons. Well, one's Peter Davidson. Huh. The other one's Pete Davidson. Davison, though, is it Davidson or Davison? That's a very good question. I don't know for I've sure. I've only I've only met one. Okay. <laughs> You met the lonely detective. Is that the one you yes, met? Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah, he was very sweet. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was really fascinating. It is very fascinating. Mm. Interesting. Anyway, that is our all creatures great and small talk. Let's talk about top five feelings songs. Feelings, not feelings. Feelings. Five types of feelings. <laughs> not five types of feelings. And that's the These, song of feelings. This is all, not feelings, feelings. Feelings. Feelings with an apostrophe. Feelings. And these are all songs that have the, the word feelings in the title. Okay. They're not songs of, about feelings. 
Do you remember when the uh, the Gong Show did uh, that song "Feelings" and it was uh, every act had someone come out and sing that? <laughs> I, that feeling, I, I don't remember that. Nothing more than feelings, feelings. and like and it was great because by the time it got halfway through, you're like. We're done, right, with this, because the audience was completely done, and so they'd have like a gigantic like circus act, like something just bizarre, and it's like ah, oh, finally, yeah, yeah, and then it would just like bring out a whistle and just like, <laughs> and the audience would boo, just people so mad, and it just kept sneaking in, but it was every every act was. Uh, was I love, I, but then by the end they were cheering it again. Yeah, because that's how it goes. They were beaten down. Yeah, yeah. And it was you just can't like help okay, it. Can't help we're it. fully stockholmed. There's the the great uh, there's a great version of Ice Cream Man by Jonathan Richmond where he does like ten false endings. <laughs> the first three the audience is loving. The next three the audience is not on board with. No, They've had no, enough no, of this. No, no. But by good. the time you get to the tenth one, they're just right right back into it again. They're already yeah. they're cheering they're cheering louder for you it to come back the, again. You got to have the courage. <laughs> you do have to have, have people hate you for a while. <laughs> that's something else. Well, when I saw him perform, I saw him perform at a, at a cafe on West 4th Avenue, uh, the Soft Rock Cafe, and it was a floor show. Like, he, the, there was no stage. He was, like, on the floor in front of the tables in this restaurant, and during part of his act was to take off his shirt and do kind of like a flamenco thing, mm. you know? So he's, like, shirtless, like, no less than, like, a foot away from me, you know? So, yeah, he's not going to care about doing Ice Cream Man <laughs> 10 times, you know, or the ending of the Ice 10 times, whatever. All right, so uh, feeling songs. So I thought we'd start off. We'd start off with uh, this is Little Junior Parker, who uh, was a, a musician. He was kind of, I guess, a blues musician, but kind of moved into like something that wasn't quite the blues. Um, but he uh, he signed with Sun Records in 1953. He performed before that, but this was he had a couple of hits with with uh, Sun Records in 1953. He um, a hit with this song, which is called Feeling Good. He also wrote the song Mystery Train, which was covered by Elvis Presley. Mm. And I always, uh, that's a song I like quite a bit. Elvis Presley's version is different, though. It's a weird thing. So Elvis Presley's version takes another song by, by Junior Parker, and he uh, steals the, the guitar part by a guy named, whose name was Pat Hare. He was a blues musician. He famously wrote a song called I'm Going to Kill My Woman. And then later went to j- jail for killing his woman. Mm. So people should have maybe listen to the song. They should take it more seriously. What an artist. Oops. Anyway, so he, uh, he's a conceptual artist, I guess. He, yeah. <laughs> so they took his, his solo or his, like, his guitar part from this one song. And then Scotty Moore put it onto Mystery Train, the Elvis Presley version. Mm. So it's a weird kind of schmozzle together. Of, what do you call that? A thing? A yeah, s- mashup. A mashup. There you go. Thank you. I was, I was or schmozzle. I, I knew it wasn't a schmozzle up. I knew Again, that. I told you I was in the most Gentile version of uh, Fifth Hunter. Shlemiel. Schmozzle. Haas and Pepper Incorporated. We're going to do it. So anyway, so this is from 1953. It's an old reference one more. No references past 84. Okay. We do our best. That's right. We do our best. Don't like it? Don't listen. Let's do this segment before we turn to dust. <laughs> so this is so we're gonna listen to Feeling Good. This is let's actually reach number five on the R and B charts in nineteen fifty three, everyone. So here we go. Feeling good. You know the other day. I was walking down the street, I met a friend of mine, and we decided we'd stop and get a little something to eat. When 
when I got to him, I said, say, man, look here. He said, yeah, Junior, what's happening? I told him. I said, look at here. He said, what is it? Well, the old folks boogie and the children too. Don't nobody boogie like me and you. We're gonna boogie. We're gonna boogie. Gonna break day. Now, you know, last night I was laying down. I heard Mama and Papa talking. I heard Papa tell Mama, and then I heard Mama got up and she told Papa. Well, Mama told Papa about something she heard. I said, look at here, Mama, don't believe it. We're gonna boogie, we're gonna boogie, gonna break the day. Oh, now let's boogie, get it. Down the street, little father. When I got down, I told him, I said, Look at here. He said, What? I said, I got one more thing to tell you. He said, What is happening? What's happening? Well, I feel so good. We're gonna book it. Never break the day. I said, Look at every chain this before I go. He said, Wait, where you going? I said, I got to go. He said, What's happening? We got an old time boogie and a new one too. Don't nobody boogie like the blue flames do. We're gonna boogie, we're gonna boogie, gonna break me. You wanna boogie? You wanna boogie? I do like songs that are like, uh, I was walking down the street, yeah, I'll tell yeah, you what's going on, yeah, yeah, then this it, right? thing happened, and this thing happened, and let's yeah. get into it! Yeah, Mama told Papa. Yeah. Something she do. Yeah, that's really, yeah. That's a, it's a fun conversational song, yeah. and it has a great guitar part in yeah, it. Yeah, it's catchy, it's bouncy. It's a great guitar part. Not played by Pat Hare. So if you feel bad about liking something by Pat Hare, because he he was a, obviously a person with a terrible temper, and made, made a terrible mistake in his life, but... This is not him. This is a different guitar player right. playing the guitar part. So, yeah, I just love it. It's, uh, you know, speaking of Mystery Train, there's a there's a Paul Simon song from his first album called Peace Like a River. Do you know that song? Nope. Peace Like a River Round Sounds Through like a the Paul City. Paul Simon song, though. Peace Like a River Round Through the City. There's a part of the song where he says, um, what does he say? Oh, I got to look it up. Sorry. All right. I got to look it up. Brief pause, everyone. I'm going to cut this out as I do this because there's a part in the song. Because luckily, uh, our audacity uh, can edit out the sounds of silence. <laughs> the people. Um, peace like a river. Where are the lyrics here, everybody? What? You're not going to give me the... Oh, you idiots. Just one second. Let me try that again. Peace like a river. You fucker. <laughs> Fuck you. Is that the name of the song? I just like... Here's what I like. It's like, if we were quiet, yeah. it would edit out the sound. <laughs> but instead, it's like, oh, motherfucker. Son of a bitch. Oh, fuck. Shit. Apparently, fuck there's more than one ass. version of this. Fuck. Let me look up Paul Simon's Shit. version. Fuck. 
peace like a river. Okay, so there's a part in the song where he says, um, you can beat us with wires, you can beat us with chains, you can run out your rules, but you know you can't outrun the history train, which for the longest time I thought he said you can't outrun the mystery train. Oh. Which I much prefer to the history train. I can know what he's going for, but I, I, I prefer the idea of like, because the mystery train is death to me. Okay. And so that's that's why I like that better. But anyway, I decided to point that out. You know what? No, it Paul feels Simon, like if you're on the one way. of the greatest songwriters of the last sixty yeah, years. Yeah. You know, it feels like you're him. on the history train. You're on the way to death, right? Because death is uh, your history. Well, I feel like in that case, they're talking about like it's like that. Is it like Hegelianism or whatever? Like the idea that you know the the inevitability of history. You okay. Know? Is that or is that Mark? Someone like that. Anyway, that kind of thing. Enough of that, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that song. That was Feeling Good by Little Junior. Mm-hmm. Little Junior Parker. Oh, the other thing is, I like that his name is kind of redundant. Why is it redundant? It could be Junior Parker. Little and Junior are kind of oh, the little same thing. Oh, Little and Junior. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, it's kind of a weird kind of repeat of the same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, all right. His real name was Herman, Herman Parker Jr. So Little Junior okay. Parker. Little Junior Parker the third. Well, now I'm just confused. <laughs> so let's listen to uh, a rare thing in the 1960s. What's that? This was an all-girl rock band, mm. which is very rare. So they wrote, uh, had the lead singer, uh, guitar player. She wrote many of the songs herself, including this one. Her name was uh, Char Vintage. And the, the band was called The Loved Ones, L-U-V apostrophe D. And this song is called Yeah, I'm Feeling Fine, which... I don't think it came out as a single at the time. They were signed to Dunwich Records, which was not like a great thing to have happen to yourself in those days. It wasn't like a, it was kind of a budget label and didn't really do very much for the artists that were on it. And they kind of suffered from that. But in those days, no one else was, were going to sign your, your all girl band. This was not a, was not a thing at the time. So these guys were real pioneers or these gals were real pioneers in, in this, at this time. Um, so let's listen to the song. It's called Yeah, I'm Feeling Fine. All right.
And we're back. That was more than fine. I liked it. Very beatly. Yeah. But I liked it. I like, obviously, you could, tell their, you could tell what their antecedents were, but I really liked the... Uh, I feel like that... Uh, I, I've heard that in a commercial or something. It feels like I'm... I'm glad there's a commercial and it's there's a field and someone's running through a field. It just feels I don't know what I want to buy. Yeah. Maybe it's a breakfast cereal. Okay. I'm not so sure. you you don't think you've heard of it that it would make a good make a good commercial song. It was the first thing that I thought of when I heard it. Yeah. It's like this sounds like that kind of yeah, yeah. building song. But I but I did enjoy it just as a song as well. Maybe one day someone will find you know, one of those people like smart you know, like how what happened to Nick Drake where where Pink Moon got incorporated into a Volkswagen ad mm-hmm. and then it changed from like him selling like 500 albums a year to him selling 30,000 albums a year. How uh, how long for public domain? When can I when can I rip this song off? <laughs> 70 years is it? Like that. Oh, 70 years from now? 70, yeah. Oh, too bad. Except Not from now, but from the time it was made, I think. Okay. Isn't that how copyright works now? I, mm, I, I think they keep stretching it out. The, the Mickey Mouse laws, it's now yeah. called. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Try and catch me. I'm really circling the 60s in this, uh, okay. in this feeling. That's probably this is when people were feeling stuff. Not, they weren't feeling stuff so much later on. Uh, this is the Archies. Yeah, I got a lot of questions about this. This is a song. is called "Feeling So Good." Bracket S period K period O period O period B period Y period dash D period O period O period N bracket. Okay. In other words, feeling so good, Scooby Doo. Uh, this came out on their second album, which was called "Everything's Archie," which is a Strange title. I don't know why they called it that. But anyway, it, everything's it was, Archie. A com- was it a comic book title first? Because I know there's an Everything's Archie comic book. Oh, okay. Maybe that's where yeah. they bought it from. There was also a TV show. There was a TV show called Everything's Archie, I believe. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Well, this is yeah. Everything's Archie. Archie's here. When was that show on? Uh, Reggie's here. Veronica, too. Da, da, da. But hey, hot dog, where are you? Now everything's Archie. Oh, yeah. I don't remember that show. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is from uh, their album, Everything's Archie, that came out in 1969. Let's give a listen, everybody.
presents I could bring Wouldn't mean a thing to Scooby-Doo Sunday after mass, picnic in the grass Digging Mama Cass with Scooby-Doo Yes. Questions. All right. Questions. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, where's the origin of Scooby Dooby Doo? Is that Frank Sinatra? No, actually, it was first used in a song called Denise by Randy and the Rainbows, which came out in 1963. Okay. That's the first appearance of Scooby Doo. Um, yes. Frank Sinatra did use that as well. He borrowed it and, and carried it on. I don't know if he actually did use it. I think it's more of a, I wonder if it's more of one of those things that kind of like a really big shoe. It's one of, something that was never actually said by the person. It has just become like a, a go-to. Okay. You know what I mean? Like an easy kind of shorthand of, of Frank Sinatra. Scooby-Dooby-Doo. Yeah, Everything's Archie definitely was a comic book uh, title. Mm. I think it may have been just the... Uh, it would have been the theme song to the Archie's uh, uh, TV show. Uh, that was Archie's theme, brackets, Everything's Archie. Okay. That was... Okay. And that was written by... The comic uh, uh, was published oh, yeah. from '69 to '91. Yeah, yeah. the uh, The album you're talking about was '68. '69, '68. It says here. Oh, that's wrong. '68 was uh, the first Archie's album. Then '69 had two albums. It had everything's Archie and Jingle Jangle came out that year. Okay, well, I'm going to need you to uh, have a conversation with Wikipedia after this. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and with well, the song you just uh, played, uh, peaked at 53. Billboard 53, hot, yeah. hot 100 yeah. Now, now, whether this song, uh, whether this song um, was the was the uh, um, inspiration for Scooby Doo, I don't know. It might have been. Do you mean the dog? Yeah, they've always said that the inspiration was uh, Frank Sinatra. I don't think that's true, though. Okay, I don't. Well, it might have been, but I, I don't. What's, well, Scooby Doo, yeah. the uh, Scooby Doo, Where Are You came out in 1969, so that would be too soon. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. They wouldn't have been able to have been inspired by this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Depending when, I mean, this would have been very early in the year, so I don't know what, what when Scooby. That is that is still too uh, yeah too quick a turnaround for an animated series. Okay, okay, yeah. To yeah. get approved and then yeah. animated and the and the and the whole thing. Yeah, because there's also the um, uh, Sly and the Family Stone song, "Everyday People," where he says so on and so on and Scooby Dooby Doo on as well. And that Scooby came out Dooby Dooby Doo. Now, when when Frank Sinatra sang Scooby Dooby Doo, when did he sing it? Scoop, uh, Strangers in the uh, Night? Strangers in the Night, yeah. Scooby-Dooby-Doo. Yeah, I think it's in Strangers in the Night. See, I, I just don't know. I, I never, I don't but know I that song well enough to know. But I just when he did Strangers in the Night. Uh, it's a mid-60s song. Yeah, but I wonder like how he spelled it, if it was spelled it with a K. <laughs> also, why is it uh, Why is it separated by uh, periods here? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Also, why is Scooby-Doo a girl's name? That's just a, a very strange thing. 
It's its own thing, yeah. And I feel like it's more con- closely more closely connected to Randy and the Rainbow's song, Denise, than it is to... Yeah, there's so much to this. Yeah. That's, uh, that's It's written by uh, Jeff Berry and um, Andy Kim. Who okay. Andy Kim also wrote uh, Sugar Sugar with Jeff Berry. Or maybe he wrote, wrote that one by himself. But anyway, uh, Jeff Berry was with his uh, uh, wife. He was divorced at this time, but his wife, Ellie Greenwich, and he wrote a lot of like great songs like Chapel of Love and To Do Ron Ron and River Deep Mountain High. And he was a lyricist. And Andy Kim would have done the music for this song. Okay. In 1968, see, uh, according to uh, Wikipedia page on uh, the song Strangers in the Night. Okay. Uh, in 1968, CBCS television executive Fred Silverman was inspired by the scat while listening to a recording on a red-eye flight uh, to a development meeting for a Saturday morning cartoon and decided to name the dog character Scooby-Doo. Uh, apparently it had another name before this. I don't know what the other name was. So, but Sinatra yeah. despised uh, the song "Strangers of the Night." Yeah, said it was uh, a piece of shit and the worst fucking song I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> the worst fucking song I've ever heard. Put, put some money in your pocket, big though, piece Frank. of shit. <laughs> I'll be singing it now. Put some money in your pocket. Cash Frank. in that check. <laughs> this big piece of shit. <laughs> Whereas he called Something by George Harrison, one of the greatest love songs written in this century. Oh, that's nice. Or did he say decade? You, you, I, you know, let me paraphrase everybody. Either I end or either, baby. All I know is Strangers of the Night's a big piece of shit. <laughs> I think it's important to note that Andy Kim is Canadian. So we get some CanCon as okay. well as... Uh, nice. That's why Sugar Sugar is played to death in Canada, because it was written by Andy Kim. And falls under CanCon. Okay. Law. All right. Nowhere else in the world is as played as 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 ubiquitously as it. And is that sugar here. is maple syrup. It's from a sugar shack. That's right. But uh, don't confuse it with the song Sugar Shack, because we do, don't get nothing do, from Sugar do, Shack. Do, 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 do. However, that song goes. I love the little sugar piping shack. part. I like the little piping organ sugar in that song. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Song number three. No four. Song number four. Uh, this is the Mamas and the Papas. Okay. Uh, the song is called "Got a Feelin." Mm-hmm. It's from their first album called If You Can Believe Your Eyes and Ears. Then it came out in 1966. So if you can believe your eyes and ears, here is the Mamas and the Papas with Got a Feeling. Can't see 
And we're back. They sing good. They're very good. And this song also has a Canadian connection. Explain. Because it's co-written. It's John Phillips and Denny Doherty. And Denny Doherty was uh, Canadian. He was from the Maritimes. That's why he was the uh, the uh, Thomas, station, uh, station master. What was he? The, yeah, yeah. For uh, Theater Tugboat. Theater Tugboat. That's right. Yeah. For eight, like eight years or something like that. He was yeah. on the show for a long time. And yeah. He's the papa and mama's and the papa that you can look up and go, oh, that's good. Uh, do you want to look up the other guy? Nope. Nope. <laughs> he is nope. not. Let's, hey, while you're spending your time there, let's just let's listen to some more Mama Cass songs. She's nice. Yeah. Listen to her. Hey, and here's yeah. a connection. Sure. Mama sure. Cass. Yep. Who solved mysteries with Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. And proposed marriage to Danny Doherty, and he said no. Um, yeah, I love that song. It's a song I never had heard before until I bought this record at a thrift store. Oh. And, you know, we've all heard, like, Mon- Monday, Monday, and sure. Calif- California feeling whatever it's called dreaming dreaming <laughs> but uh got a feeling when it comes on you're like that's great i just love the tick like the ticking of it and yeah. and actually denny doherty did his own version of it on his first solo album in like 1971 or something and and on that album it was called got a feeling so he didn't change the name is what i'm saying but I mean, what's weird is it was never a single there's four different songs on that album that were singles but not not that song i feel huh. like i feel like it would have been a good single yeah and, and it's weird that he did it on covered it on his solo album, and it wasn't a single on that either. And you're just like, feels like you guys are missing the point of this song, which is that it's great. All right, and well, it could be a single. I'm going to take uh, as as we do with our time travel mailbox. Yeah, I'm going to write a letter to the past, <laughs> put it in the mailbox. Yeah, I'm going to send it back then and give him some advice. Come on, jerks! Did you know that John Phillips didn't want Mama Cass to be in the Mamas and the Papas? What a dumbass! He didn't like her voice, and he thought that she was unattractive. And would be and would, wouldn't. She would, was. I mean, she was not a traditional uh, yeah. pop star. She's what is look. called Zaftig in. Uh, yeah. Since we're being fiddler on the roof, we'll call her that. Yeah. But her voice was great. She what the hell is voice. he talking about? Yeah, she had a great uh, voice. And she was charming and funny and all the good things. The only she wasn't. A, she didn't become a member of the group until they signed their record contract with uh, Dunhill Records. Uh, who was Lou Adler was the co-owner, and he and he and the rest of the like Michelle Phillips and Denny Doherty insisted that she be in the group and so he finally relented because otherwise they weren't gonna get signed so. and if you're ever watching the uh and why would you but if you're ever watching the sid and marty croft movie puffin stuff not yes. to be confused with the tv show hr puffin stuff that's okay. the difference one's just called puffin stuff yeah uh you will find her as the head witch and uh halfway not halfway through a third of the way through yeah she's gonna sing a song for you called different and it's gonna knock you on your ass it's a good, you're not gonna expect it it's great and it's uh really good and it's uh well presented and yeah yeah you're like what where how'd this song make this way into this movie yes and let's see jack wilde do a song oh. <laughs> is uh, mama cast still about she left <laughs> okay good is that rat a nazi does he have He's, does called, he he's have, called the Ratsy, sure. Does he sir? have a swastika on his armband? So was he in World War II? To be fair, it's backwards. Was there... Yeah, he's reclaiming it. Because, yeah. like, oh, I have the original... <laughs> this is the lucky... This, this, is, this, is, is, the the lucky. this is the original symbol. <laughs> this is Navajo blanket symbol. Yeah, this whole thing, yeah. Oh, we're in another dimension, really. I mean, I don't think uh, World War II even happened here, right? I don't think so. No, I deny it all. No, I'm not saying I'm a denier of anything. Oh, jeez. Oh, boy. By the way, I'm doing that voice where there's a voice is really this <laughs> in this reality we killed the cows. Oh, that's right, aunt. And for some reason the Nazis work with the witches. <laughs> Which if you remember well, bed knobs and broomsticks was quite the opposite. If you saw Hellboy 
feels like it goes back and forth all over all over yeah, the place. Yeah, it's all over the map. Oh boy. That's become a real thing, hasn't it? What's that? The, this idea of, like the occult connection between like Nazis and like and like you know, it's obviously just like made up, but it's become well, like it's become the thing that people are just like, "Oh yeah, they really believe in that stuff." Well, because it becomes this like say you're doing a superhero movie and it's like, "Okay, who are they going up against?" Well, we're going up against the Nazis. Well, I guess that's good because we can kill the Nazis and we feel alright about it. Yeah, yeah. What are we going to show the Nazis doing? Um <laughs> true yeah what are we going to show him doing yeah. uh, how about gathering magical weapons for hitler what'd you say <laughs> gathering magical weapons for hitler like in the desert or something yeah just in the desert away from everybody yeah just gathering magical weapons yeah 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 that's what we're gonna do yeah yeah it's exactly what we're going to do okay but what else were the nazis up to nothing they were just gathering magical weapons in the front We don't need to go into further. We just know they're the bad guys, right? They're bad. We all agree yeah, on this, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all fine. It's all fine. We're fine. all on side on this, right? We're all we're all on side. So the final song, song number five, everyone, is is a more modern song. More modern to me. This is my idea of modernity. It's from 1983. <laughs> yeah. This is my idea. Yeah. This is my idea of recent. That's right. This is very current. Oh, it's a wee babe very in arms. Current song. Oh, it's barely hey, getting its, not its my first. Fault. It's barely getting its first bald spot. It's not my fault if everyone spells feelings correctly nowadays. Sure. Because in the old days they had feelings. They don't have feelings anymore. They have feelings. It's sure. different. It's a different thing. Yeah. Damn you, autocorrect. So, so back in the day, and so. This is 1983, mm-hmm. but the thing is, the reason the song in 1983 had feelings is because it's a throwback. Oh, this song is as close as in in the age of t- like technolo- technology and like synthesizers and all that stuff that you could get to like a 60s like a slide. Speaking of Sly in the Family Stone, like a Sly in the Family Stone song. This song has like touches of Sly in the Family Stone okay. in it. Like it has like someone doing like a bass voice, as if as if you know uh, Larry Graham, the bass player. And Son of the Family Stone was doing his bass voice in the song, you know, everyday people, you know, you know, they kind of sh- would s- switch off the sure. vocals in the songs, right? Everyone would get the chance to, oh, I'm the bass voice, you know, and do their little thing. And, you know, Rose, you know, Rose, his sister Rose different would do her. Like, yeah, for different folks. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and Facts so... of Life and other shows that were on in the 80s. <laughs> and so on and so on and Scooby-Dooby-Doo oh, still God damn it! <laughs> It's all coming back. Everything ties into Scooby-Doo. <laughs> so this is uh, this is the Human League from uh, this isn't from an album. This is actually from an EP mm. that came out in 1983 called Fascination! Exclamation mark. I may have won this album. <gasps> is it? Did it have a great cover <sighs> with a picture on the back of them all kind of floating in the air? I could be. Except for the one singer not, for Loki standing sure. and everyone else. Is kind I of may have around. won it from Switchback. It may have been one oh, of the cool, first albums cool. I, I won. I bought it because I love this song. I didn't. I liked. Um, do you love me, baby? Or will you love me, baby? Uh, don't, don't, don't you love me, me, baby? Don't you want me, baby? Yeah, I did kind of like that song. Like I thought it was fine. I I, bought, I think I bought Dare at the time, but um, this was a song that I went, oh, this, these guys are really good. This is really good stuff. And then after that, I was kind of like, no, nah, not that good. But this I re- song, I remember them doing an interview uh, once and saying, uh, we decided to form a band, and then we were all saying, around, okay, what instruments do we play? And no one played any instruments. It's like, okay, so who's a songwriter? And like none of us were songwriters. Like, okay, it's gonna be hard, but we're gonna do it. <laughs> Well, hmm. So the way the way they started was they started as like an experimental electronic group, oh, okay. like unlistenable, sure kind of stuff, kind of like Cabaret Voltaire and other. Yeah, yeah. they're from Sheffield. This all makes which sense. had this weird kind of like tech, like electronic kind of thing that went on, and I, I don't know why. But there's a few. Maybe maybe it was college people like kind of a similar area. And originally the band featured Martin Ware and another guy with with a longer name. 
and they were kind of like the two main guys for a long time. And they, they were just doing like, like instrumental electronic music that was very kind of experimental. And, and, and then eventually they decided they would maybe want to be more commercial. And so then they, they, they wanted a singer. So they went to one guy and he said, no, he didn't, he couldn't do it. And so they were like, oh, so they went to this other guy and that was Phil Oki. And Phil Oki became a member of, of Human League at this point. Okay. And so then they were working together and, you know, they're trying to like get a record contract, but no one was interested in them because they were very experimental and kind of abrasive. And that, you know, they're like, well, th- this is fine, but it's not really what we like. No major label is going to sign mm-hmm. them. Right. And so they got, they finally got signed by a, a label like Fast Records or some kind of thing like that. And so, and they put out a couple of things and it wasn't really great. But then the band started having some, some, uh, disagreements because phil phil oki wanted to take it in a more poppy direction which was something that happened at this time like scritty politty the group would be another example of this where the the lead singer first he's like happy to do all this kind of very political stuff and you know it's all gonna be abrasive and then suddenly it's like hey why don't we have like a pop career guys and everyone's like i thought we were like a bunch of weirdos and he's like no no we're gonna like be really popular and the same thing with phil oki he's like hey we're gonna be really popular and so the two two of the members the two original guys said nah we're out we're leaving so one was martin ware and I can't remember the other guy's name, but they formed Heaven Seventeen, which weirdly was also like a synth pop band that did pop. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why they went. Well, I'm not being in the Human League and do pop songs. I'm going to go form a different band and do pop songs. So they left, <laughs> and they got the original singer that they asked to join Human League, who couldn't do it. He joined Heaven Seventeen as the singer, and so they did their their stuff, right? And so then Human League became like you know this thing, and, and then he needed like singers. So one night he was like at a club, and he saw these two ladies there, and he just approached them and he said, hey, you look like you should be in a band. <laughs> you should be in a band with me. I have, I have a band and we can be in a band together. And then they're like, they're like, uh, oh, okay. Um, we've never been in a band. We don't even, we don't yeah. sing or anything. He's like, no, yeah. that's fine. You don't need to sing. Just be in the band. So they're yeah. joining the band with him. So then he had like the singers in his group, but he still had no songwriters or anything. So the record label hooked him up with a guy who'd been in a, another band called the, Riz- I think they're called the Rosillos, this group. And there was a guy in a band like with a name like John Callis or something, and he he uh, he was brought in, and he was like the 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 ringer. So he's the one who wrote the songs, and Philoki did the lyrics, and then that's and so then they did Dare, and then they had this huge hit, huge hit album with like four singles that came off of it. Yeah, and then they're like, and then the record label's like next, and they're like uh, so they did like a couple of singles. They did Mirror Man, yeah, and they did Fascination. Keep feeling fascination, and and uh, and then they, but they they were so like bunged up, like they could not because they were so like overwhelmed with the idea of like following up this huge hit album, which is a complete fluke. Like they didn't plan it; they were sure. like, obviously like a joke almost. The band, and anyway, so this this album, so this EP came out as a bit of a time time filler. Like you liked Mirror Man, you liked Keep Keep Feeling Fascination. Well, here they are. Here's some songs. Here's six songs. Two of them are Keep Feeling Fascination. One's, one's two <laughs> minutes longer than the other. Okay, hope you enjoy it. So yeah. So anyway, I hope you, hope you guys enjoy this song. This is uh, Keep Feeling Fascination. And please enjoy the sly stonisms of this song as well. Decision 
conversation turned Until the sun went down And many fantasies were learned going to be in my head all day <laughs> it's a good song i really like it i've always it's always been like i'm, I'm not like i say i'm hey, not like hey 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 very very slight yeah, that was uh that was fat albert a lot of people don't know they actually brought him in for very, just that uh, thing very larry graham sounding yeah. to me i really like that song I, I just i think it's a fun like mix of the technology of that time you know the lind it is so of the time and the synthesizer sounds and stuff like that but also kind of harkens back in how way it's done to like old older songs, and so it's a kind of a fun mix of the old and the new in a way that works for me. That so much of that other stuff didn't work. Like, I mean, I have Heaven Seventeen albums that I bought when I was that age. I have Blamange albums that I bought at that age. Happy I only Families. the only Heaven Seventeen song I had was on the uh, Electric Dream soundtrack. Okay, yeah, yeah, and they're they're okay. I just, but I'm not. I just, I just, I cannot get past that time. That locked in its time sound of those albums, like it doesn't, it just doesn't travel. It doesn't travel past that era. And if if you like that era, I guess you like that sound. But you know, I was way more into guitar music and stuff at the time, and it's just, eh. But anyway, I like that song a lot. I did a lot of dancing to that song. <laughs> we all did. Yep. Uh, all right, everyone. That was the top five. 
Top five songs. Thank you, David, for that. You're welcome. Uh, last week we asked, we're going to the mailbag now, bag of mail, big bag of mail that I've got on top of my uh, uh, iPad. Now let me take the bag off and I'm okay. just going to read the iPad. Um, <laughs> we asked, uh, what's something that does nostalgia right? And did you have a mentor who helped you find your path in life? Those were uh, deep questions. Well, can I just tell you that you should refresh your page? Oh, very good. And I am refreshing the page now. And I've refreshed the page, and I see no difference. Oh, uh, oh so, so I've got three. I've got three. Uh, oh, okay. I thought. Notes. I thought because one just came in today. So okay. But maybe that is maybe possible. maybe you already had it on the page. Maybe I did. Sorry. Um, well, our first letter yeah, is from did, our friend uh, Sarah Walsh. Always nice to hear from Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Uh, saying, hey, hello, look, a real comment. Yay. <laughs> now, uh, Sarah. Yeah, unlike, had, unlike the rest of the comments we get. Sarah had sent an ECG uh, image uh, from her watch, mm. which coincidentally mentioned uh, AFib, which I was being treated for last week. That's right. Wacky coincidence. Crazy. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, I, as we mentioned, I had uh, uh, five cardioversions last, last week. How am I feeling? I'm feeling okay. Uh, I'm on some medicine right now that is making me a little dizzy. Uh, when I lean maybe five degrees forward, 10 degrees, I'm fine. Five degrees, I feel dizzy. Now I'm straight. Now I'm fine. Now five degrees, dizzy again. But if you go 10 degrees, you're fine. I generally, yeah. That's interesting. I mean, listen, I'm not doing any like, let's get on the couch. Now jump up. Now go yeah. down. Now jump yeah. up. Are you carrying a protractor with you? I'm carrying a proton pack because I'm a big Ghostbusters fan. <laughs> uh, but Sarah, to continue... Uh, the only story behind the ECG is the one is that one of you uh, made an offhand comment that Ed, I wonder if we'll hear from Ed in this uh, letter column today. I hope so. Uh, might be dead, bump bump bum, because he hadn't commented on episode five hundred twenty-one. Glad you're not dead, Ed. <laughs> oh, remember that movie? Glad you're not dead, Ed, from the eighties. Mm -hmm. oh, that was a great film. That was good. And would he please uh, email his pulse to let you know he was alive? Then you said in the sign-off that if anyone else wanted to send in their pulse, the email address was, and so on. Yeah. My uh, insert capitalist fruit watch has an ECG <laughs> app, so I took my pulse right then and there and sent it off to prove I was alive. The fact that it mentions AFib or lack thereof is a pure coincidence. I hadn't had any issues, thankfully, and sorry for the confusion. Having said that, Ian, I'm sorry you were going through this, but glad to hear that medication is helping. The experience of not being entirely unconscious during the shock sounds particularly terrifying. Yep. Uh, I hope that as we gradually drag ourselves out of this endless COVID nightmare, uh, you can get yourself healthy again. It might resolve on its own. I don't think uh, we've even begun to see uh, the many ways this whole thing has affected us all. I may be relatively healthy physically, but it's done a real number on my mental health, uh, which wasn't excellent to begin with. I'm completely burned out at my job and exhausted everywhere else, but I'm hanging in there and taking steps to get myself to a healthier place. I am an incurable optimist, so at least I have that going for me. <laughs> and and uh, I hope, yeah, that you are doing well, and I appreciate that very, very much. And yeah, I think uh, we're all going to be dealing with stuff in the next while and just go like, yeah. oh, well, that was interesting how this impacted yeah, us. It's true. You know, you can't tell. You can't tell what it is while you're in it at the time and then later on. Yeah. Yeah. I've been having a couple of times this week. It's just been flashbacks of things that have just been like, what the hell? Or just like, it's literally been a week since I had the first cardio version. And that just seems insane. Mm, yeah. Just insane. You're right. Yeah. Um, so take, and by the way, take care, sir. I will. And also, it seems insane that Christmas is happening this month. That's bananas. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's bananas. Like, in a couple of weeks, it's going to be Christmas, and we're going to treat it like it's Christmas. And we're going to have a tree up, and we're going to do things, and we're going to eat a turkey. We did it last year, too. Yeah. Seems uh, more bananas this year. 
<laughs> uh, uh, Sarah continues. I think I need to watch Get Back at least one more time before I can really dig into a discussion because there was so much to take in, but it sure was incredible. I mm-hmm. watched parts two and three in a marathon uh, that first Saturday, <laughs> and the next night at work, I had the strangest experience where I, I thought about it. Uh, it I, it didn't feel like I'd watched something. It felt like I'd traveled somewhere, <laughs> gone out of town, stepped out of my life, visited some magical beetle land. I haven't had a proper vacation in years, so it was a nice feeling. Uh, if that's the best I can get for now, it was a damn fine place to go. Uh, a co-host of a Beatles podcast I occasionally listen to, well, Nothing is Real, suggested watching it again in January in one-day fragments on the corresponding dates so you'd essentially be watching them work in real time, uh, exactly 53 uh, years later. I hope I can find time to watch it again before then, but I thought that sounded like kind of a wacky thing I would do, so I'm planning to do it. Anyone with me? Sounds fun. Anyone want to do the daily Beetle Watch with Sarah? Let <laughs> us know. Yeah, sounds fun. We will uh, give you the information uh, later on, and maybe you can watch it at the same time. That is something people do, is watch things at the same time. And and uh, write things to yes. each other. Yes, inadvertently and advertently. Yes, do it either way, in mm-hmm. or ad. <laughs> Louise Moon writes. By the way, Louise. We had a uh, the Wes Anderson party, which I think we mentioned uh, on last week's show. Mm. Uh, my gosh, Louise's costume was amazing. It was. So was her sister Jackie's. So yeah. was uh, everyone's. Even people who just wore foxes around their their necks. Well, Jackie's was great because it was from my favorite movie. Favorite, uh, Star Wars. Wars, my favorite Wes Anderson film. Star Wars is not my favorite movie. Okay, I do like it. But what is your favorite Wes Anderson movie? Moonrise Kingdom. Very good, very good indeed. Uh, Louise writes, "I didn't have one specific mentor, but the connections I made through improv really helped. In the writing biz, uh, there's often a boxcar effect. If one person hears of a show that needs writers, they'll recommend someone uh, whose writing they trust, and then a friend might recommend another friend who might recommend you. For instance." <laughs> Andrew used to host Vancouver Switchback, and then he moved to Halifax to host it there. He recommended our mutual friend Roger for Street Sense. The next season, Roger hired, uh, suggested me. A few seasons later, we recommended Ian and Frank. Uh, when Frank created Big Sound, he hired Ian and Roger. When Ian got on Weirdos, he recommended Roger and me. I recommended the movie Roger and me. We should all watch it. <laughs> and so it goes round and round and round in the circle game. I also recommended watching the movie The Circle Game. Uh, something, But not that, listen to the record by Tom Rush. Something that doesn't nostalgia right, Ian mentioned Cobra Kai, which is far better than Disney's TV reboots of The Mighty Ducks and Turner and Hooch. Disney's Star Wars division got it right with The Mandalorian, but the movie... Up to trilog- a point. What's that? Up to a point. Oh, okay. Well, we'll discuss that at the end of this uh, letter. <laughs> but the movie trilogy was uneven. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with the book of Boba Fett. Ugh, I don't like the idea of having to read, but okay, fair enough. A true Star Wars fan. I also like Superman and Lois's return to Smallville approach, with their kids learning to deal with their superpowers or like thereof, lack thereof. Yeah, I agree. Superman and Lois is a very well done series. Uh, sorry to hear about Ian's misadventures in heart resetting, especially as he has one of the biggest hearts around. Oh, you. Mm. For the past 30 <laughs> years, my mom has had a skipping heart, which sometimes races, requiring the occasional trip to the ER to get it under control. She's 85, so take heart. Oh, I can take her heart? Because <laughs> if I had two, that would really be helpful. Yeah. Louise, Back listen, up. don't joke about this. Can I, can I take your mother's heart? Um, and now, uh, here's Louise's Top five heart malfunction songs. <laughs> All right. Number one, Al Green. 
How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? Nice. From 1972. Uh, number two, John D. Loudermilk, Colin Dr. Casey from 1962. Don't know it. Number three, Tony Braxton, Unbreak My Heart mm-hmm. from 1996. Sure. Number four, Natalie Cole, Jumpstart, Brackets My Heart, 1987. And Elton John and Kiki D, Don't Go Breaking My Heart, 1976. Two good songs on that list. Oh! And now the the next theme, Shots Fired. <laughs> okay, so what, uh, first of all, what were the two good songs? Uh, the first one. Uh, How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? Yep. And the last one. Don't Go Breaking My Heart? Yeah. Okay. Don't like a little Natalie Cole, huh? Don't no. like Unbreak My Heart? I don't know it. Unbreak My Heart. Yeah. No. <laughs> Unbreak <laughs> My Heart. Let's put... Uh, let's put uh, <laughs> Let's put Harry Nelson's You're Breaking My Heart in there. Yeah. You're breaking Breaking my heart. heart. You're tearing it apart. So So fuck fuck you. you. (laughs) So uh, where do you think they lost the plot in Mandalorian? Personally, I just, I really enjoyed the show, but I I did not like when they started to bring in uh, stuff from other Star Wars. Uh, I didn't like Mark, I didn't like Luke Skywalker appearing in it, and I didn't like Boba Fett being in it. Okay. I just didn't like it. I, I really liked it as like a standalone thing, and I just feel like, you know, it's like they're they're afraid to stand on their own and and just do like a a story that doesn't it has to have like these kind of like greatest hits suddenly appearing in it and it's boring. It's boring. Okay, I strongly disagree. Dave's completely wrong about this. <laughs> I think I think what it did with uh, Boba Fett uh, that was always like a weird bad part of Return of the Jedi to me it was just like he had Boba Fett and he just like fell in a hole because mm. it was like a it was just a punk ass death and uh, and they made him interesting they just made the character interesting in this and like all of a sudden it could, the have, been, it could they, have been any character it didn't have to be Boba Fett it still could have been like an interesting character but, but Boba, Fett Boba Fett meant a lot to people and then okay. had but and the big fl- and they corrected flaws whereas I think like Boba Fett was an interesting character and then had a punk ass death, and then they made <laughs> Boba Fett interesting. Well, his character's not interesting in the movie. His character's interesting because people built up the character before the movie, but yeah. Yeah. He's interesting looking. Yeah. You know, you want to know more about him. And I think yeah. Luke Skywalker, for all the. The tea know, in China? For all the tea in China. They don't have China in the Star Wars universe. Oh. Uh, they don't know if they have tea, they have milk. That's mm. all I know. I don't That's know what other drinks they have. They have blue tea. They, someone, I think someone drinks oil at some point. Um, <laughs> But what people kind of wanted, I think, in the uh, the last trilogy was, I want Luke Skywalker to be Luke Skywalker. I don't want Luke Skywalker sad. I don't want Luke Skywalker redeemed. I don't want Luke Skywalker to be an old guy. I don't want Luke Skywalker to be this. I just want, I want some Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And so they had Luke Skywalker being the Luke Skywalker that people sure. wanted to be and just made it real fast, got in, got out, said maybe three words. Fucked off. He's done. That's it. And uh, did his face look weird? Yeah. Didn't didn't quite work. But uh, uh, I, I really liked it. I'm glad you did. I just felt... To me, it seemed pandering, but I'm glad you liked it. Okay. I don't know how you ended otherwise. Because that, to me, was just like connecting it with the with the main world. And it was like, nope, that's finished. That's a nice thing. And we're done. And we're done. Uh, but, and, and, and because they had done such deep cuts, I think, with like... Picking characters from the Clone Wars and whatnot. I, have no, I don't think. Oh yeah, that so stuff, you yeah. don't even know that. Yeah, but like because they did such deep cuts, it was like, well, whoever this guy's coming up, <laughs> like you, would, it, like it should be an easy reveal of just like, oh yeah, of course that's going to be Luke Skywalker. Who the hell else is going to be? Yeah. But because there were such deep cuts before, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe some weird character. We don't. I don't know. Gonna be. And then it was like, hey, it's the guy. 
So Dave and I strongly uh, disagree about this. I've got 5% power left on my iPad, so I'm going to read quickly. Sure. <clears throat> Edward Dragansky. There we go. Ooh, Mentioned earlier. Still it. alive. <laughs> Still with Another us. crazy week. But I have some time to write here as my daughter is getting married this coming weekend. Wow. Well, as, uh, again, a very... What a time of year to choose to get married. As a guy from a very goyish uh, Fiddler on the Roof, let me say Mazel Tov. Oh, very good. Very goyish as well. Uh, Lachaim. And oh, uh, all the good things. And I yes. uh, hope everything goes great with your daughter's wedding. Congratulations. Um, so you write us a letter on the day of your daughter's wedding. Um, <laughs> thanks, Dave, for mentioning your solidarity for The Last Jedi. As you're well aware, uh, the Ryan Johnson treatment was very polarizing and caused much toxic backlash. You said it. Uh, I stand by my theory that due to the way the prequels were directed by Lucas, the backlash uh, from them were a direct result of what Disney did with The Force Awakens. And by this, I mean a return to traditional effects treatment and the original formula under J.J. Abrams. Uh, this then caused audiences to criticize The Force Awakens for being too much like A New Hope. So what does Disney do next? They assign the next installment to Johnson and let him take the story far from the original formula that drove the audience's berserk. <laughs> I consider uh, what Johnson did to be brave, a brave masterpiece with The Last Jedi. Why keep doing the same stuff? I think his treatment was just as bold as Irvin Kirshner was with The Empire Strikes Back in 1980. And I stand by the director or directorial creativity of all the Star Wars directors, even Lucas. <laughs> I could uh, get into uh, more about Luke's character How about arc. Richard Marquand. Well, there we go. But he's going to save uh, his discussions of Luke's character arc for later. You guys have a show to wrap up. You're not wrong. <laughs> it can be said that nostalgia uh, may well be at the heart of the Star Wars sequel trilogy fan fallout, but I'm an exception to that. I remain a fan who unconditionally accepts Star Wars in every way, no matter what. Uh, but you knew that, so I won't go there. The use of nostalgia done right that I immediately thought of was how Alex Ross has handled his DC stories such as Kingdom Come and Justice. Yeah. Ian, back me up there. Oh, jeez, okay. Uh, <laughs> Ross does this thing with the DC characters that shows uh, such a love and understanding between them all uh, as they're all family and close. The nostalgia is there, but handled with a new and realistic style. Uh, the Justice League all call each other by their real names and have a familiarity with one another that suggests they've been doing so for a long time. Ross did this so well that it caught on and other writers started doing it too. But Ross did it first and it works. I'm going to counter you on that. Uh, it may not uh, drive you to read the older DC comics from the 60s, but it makes you feel like you have. Yes, I did think he did a great job in King to Come and Justice. I like the giant uh, books that he did with Paul Dini. Especially the Shazam one. The Batman one also was very, very good. But I'll tell you, they used to always call each other by their first names. Um, and I remember them doing so in a 1970s Justice League uh, Sunday strip. Like they, they would do, uh, you know, things about the Justice League. And I remember it bugged me then. Because, they, you know, it would be like, um, uh, you know, they'd be like, oh, listen, Clark, well, I'll tell you this, Bruce. And I'm like, there were villains over there, you dumbasses. Stop calling each other. Don't use your name names. Yeah, this yeah. is dumb. You don't know who's around. Yeah. You know, there's the people. <laughs> you know, it's Diana, good. yes, she's got no identity. Yeah. No, secret identity. Synergy, same yeah. with, you know, same with Arthur, with uh, Aquaman. But... You know, don't be going, hey, Bruce, to Batman. Really? I thought Diana Prince had a 
Was there like? Oh, a, back then, yes. Okay. Now, now, not. She so pretended much. to be like a military. Like she worked for the military, right? Yeah, right, she right. did. She was like, uh, she worked in the military. That is right. Diana, Diana Prince. Hey, where's uh, where's Princess Diana? Oh, I don't know, <laughs> but Diana Prince is here. Hi, Diana Prince. You missed all the action. Wonder Woman, otherwise known as Princess Diana, was just here. Wait a minute. Hey. <laughs> hey, Kent Clark. <laughs> you just missed Clark Kent. <laughs> my first creative director at Dr. Pepper was very instrumental when it came to my starting place in the industry. His name was Eric, and he studied in New York. Imagine Niles Crane from Fraser. Uh, say, oh, yeah, I know some people in our audience can do that. Are you doing that? Nina's doing that. She's imagining oh, that. Is she imagining, uh, uh, what is it, tossed green salad and scrambled eggs? Toss salad and scrambled eggs. Oh, yes. toss salad. Sorry. Yeah. Not green salad. Toss green salad and green and green eggs. Toss salad and scrambled eggs. Yeah. Toss green salad and green eggs nope, and ham. Not, not at all. Oh, God. <sighs> so anyway, let's all imagine Niles Crane from Fraser. And that was about what it was like. Eric was a genius in design. And even though he didn't remain at Dr. Pepper very long, he sent me on my path for the next 32 years. Hmm. We all knew Eric uh, was meant to be a teacher, not working at Dr. Pepper. He had mentioned uh, he had that mentored quality to him. So he ended up as the head of the design department of my college, the University of North Texas, North Texas. And he's still there 31 years later. Yay. Uh, now my son Alec knows Eric since he, he's going to the same college I did. Alec and I visited Eric not long ago and Eric told my son if he needed anything to come and see him directly. I have a great amount of respect for your father. Eric told him, if you need anything, my door is always open. This meant a lot to me uh, that he said that and remembered me in that way. Just as much as Eric meant to me, I was lucky to have started with him. And Ian, a simple message to you. Quoted from MGM's Wizard of Oz, when the wizard gives the tin woodsman his heart. Remember, my sentimental friend, that a heart is not judged by how much love, uh, by how much you love, but by how much you are loved by others. Please take care of yourself, Ian, so we can all continue loving you. Will do. Now to be a father of the bride for the next few days. We mentioned that movie earlier. <laughs> it all ties in. Scooby Dooby Doo. <laughs> Peace all. Thanks so much, Ed. Appreciate it. Good. Good. When will Scooby Doo finally settle down and get married? Yes. When? When? You'll just find have to find a, a nice young. Uh, Female dog. Yeah, you were going to say something different. I yes, wasn't, but I was thinking, yeah, oh, you, you can't were. say that. You can't yeah. say it. You can't say it. Can't I wish say it. Uh, I wish he'd uh, end up with Ms. Lion can, from uh, Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends. But who can cook uh, a decent Scooby snack? Mmm. Mm. Yeah, a, a diner, mm. diner, diner dog. A diner dog. Yeah, diner dog. What at? I don't know. It's a dog who works at a diner. A diner dog. Okay. <laughs> no? All right. From the old uh, 1970s album, The Diner Dogs. Why didn't I know that? The Tom Waits one. Yeah, Tom Waits one. Yeah, that's right. Diner Dogs. Diner Dogs and Dives. I would like to see a female uh, diner dog that Mm -hmm. Scooby falls in love with. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. the female diner dog has Tom Waits' voice. It's voiced by Tom Waits. (laughs) All right. Hey, that's Scooby. That's your Scooby (laughs) snack for (laughs) Oh, that'd be great. I'm all for that. Yep. Um, Questions of the week. Uh, Now, hopefully we haven't done this one before. What is something that wasn't great, but the ending is great? Like saved or, by... Or the ending. ending saves it, yeah. The yeah. ending saves it. Saved sure. by the ending. Sure. Yeah. That's uh, that's uh, one of the questions. What's something that's saved by the ending? Okay. All right. And uh, what's, your other, what's your second question? Wait a minute. Yeah. Listen, buddy. I came up with two of them last week. I'll come up with one. Okay. I'll come up with one this week. Um, uh, tell us about a place you love that's disappeared. Oh, okay. Because we talked about that. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
place that you love that has disappeared. Has disappeared now. But Dave, yes. how can they do such things? How can they how can they get in touch with us? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what hasn't disappeared www.sneakydragon.com our website has not disappeared if you go there if you go to sneakydragon.com you will find this show and underneath it you can leave a comment you can uh, answer these questions these wonderful questions that Ian asked and my so-so one that he forced me to ask (laughs) you can also email us our email address is sneakyd at sneakydragon.com we're on twitter sneaky underscore dragon we're on facebook in the metaverse at sneaky dragon and uh, if you are a Patreon, you can Patreonize us at uh, Patreon doc, uh, patreon.com slash SneakyDragon. We're there. We're yep. square. There's a link to it, I think, on our, uh, our webpage as well. Always. Every, every episode has the link there. So. This is true. Uh, if you feel away. like buying our book, we have a series of uh, books called Sparks that are available at any bookstore, uh, mostly for kids, but, you know, maybe you enjoy them as well. Uh, Dave is a colorist. I am the writer. And Nina Matsumoto is the uh, artist. Uh, they are called uh, Sparks. That's the first book. Second book, Sparks, Double Dog Dare. <laughs> Third book, Sparks, Future Perfect. Looking is forward to that coming out next March year. March 1st, yeah, of next year. So, Looking forward uh, to going to Van Calf with that book. Woo! That'd be fun. Yeah. Will it be... Wait, when is Van Calf? Probably in June? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your story is checking out. Be nice. Because we, like we haven't been there with this, the second or third book yet. So. No, this is true. Oh, That'd be nice. Oh, the times. <laughs> the times they are changing. And we, uh, yeah. So, and to answer your Beatlesy question, we're working on it. So, we'll do that. Yes, we'll get yeah. there. Just have to let Ian soak it in. Soak it in. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for com- coming by this week. We really appreciate you dropping by the old Yeah, Dragon we had to Tree clean House. up the place a bit. Sorry, it's a mess. As <laughs> usual. Uh, there's just a litter of tin cans, uh, Coke cans behind tink my tail. Tink tink tink. Yep. Kick them and, uh, sh- and Sour Patch Kids sugar. <laughs> a look, making us look like uh, we're like a Studio yeah. Uh, 54. Yeah, it's like the movie Scarface here. Bury your face in this uh, yeah. pile of sour sugar. Hoo-ha! <laughs> That's right, so that, sour. That famous line Hoo-ha! from Scarface. <laughs> Ookie-dookie-doo, Scooby-doo. Wookie-doo. <laughs> <laughs> love that movie Scarface. That's uh, right. Say hello. I enjoy. <laughs> say say, say enjoy to my friends who are little people. <laughs> say hello to my little friend. Hoo ha! All right. He worked on Wizard of Oz. <laughs> All right. Pivity pivity. <laughs> let us let us exit respectfully and gently and politely and well manneredly and nowly. Keep feeling fascination. What's happening? Wait, before what? we go, what? before What's we happening? go. What's happening? What's going on? Wait, uh, what? what, Dave? We have... What's happening? Yeah, have a Sour, sour Patch Kids. What? What's up? We just had an, emer- we had an emergency last minute uh, email. Okay. It arrived just just in the nick of time, if I had been looking at my emails. Uh, this is from Chris Roberts. Mm. Chris Roberts writes to say... Sorry, I just have to put my headset on because I'm, it makes me really nervous talking without it. There. Now I can hear myself. Hi, everyone. This is from Chris Roberts. And when you take it off, I'm going to do the old, uh, oh, David, you're beautiful. Well, thank you. Uh, Chris says, hi, Ian and Dave. Mm, Hi. Well, it's happened. The little podcast that could celebrates 10 glorious years of being Sneaky Dragon, and a grateful world rejoices. (sighs) Wait, is it our 10th anniversary? I guess it is. (laughs) Maybe you should have been checking this. Whoops. (laughs) So episode, yeah, I guess uh, 520 would have been uh, 10 years, I guess. Oh, my God. All right, because 52 weeks a year and 10 years is 5,520. Okay, well, you know what? I quit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yes, it's 10 years this week since the very first episode of Sneaky Dragon swooped down on an unsuspecting public. We read the we read things from the first episode today. <laughs> Everything's been a setup. It's been an all a fucking Edgar Wright style setup payoff thing. Everything's crazy. You're right. Yes, it's 10 years this week since the very first episode of Sneaky Dragon swooped down on an unsuspecting public. And yes. that cannot be allowed to go unrecognized. Strangely enough, I also marked a major milestone this week by turning 60. Coincidence? Yeah. Well, yes, obviously. Yeah. Nonetheless, it felt like a good opportunity to dust down that first song I wrote for you a few years ago, When Sneaky Dragon Flies, and put together a short video to show my heartfelt appreciation for all you do to make the world a better place. It ain't much, but here it is. And he provided a YouTube link, which we'll, of course, have on our page. Yeah. So you can listen to it. He finishes by... Quoting Ringo, peace and love, Chris. Wow. Thank you so much, Chris. This is awesome. Oh, I cannot stars. wait to see this. Okay, and we'll comment on it next week. We will comment on it with true heartfelt appreciation or ironic distance. Depends how we feel. Sure. Next week. Thank you, everyone. Peace out. Peace out.